York sports fans. I am Danielle McCartan. McCartan before midnight. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up until 1 a.m. on this Saturday evening here in New York City and beyond. Whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now and throughout the next four hours, whether that be on your car radio, 1019 FM, or you're old school and you like to kick it 660 AM, streaming from WFN.com, or you're maybe your real new school. You got the Odyssey app fired up, and of course, we're here in the Big Apple. And Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa Carton and Roberts studio here in Lower Manhattan. And go ahead. Start dialing 877-337-6666. You already have that pre-programmed into your phones. I know that. And I'm taking your calls right here in this first segment. Get aboard. And just as Pat alluded to, as we go tonight, we are all, you, the listener, me, the host, him, the update anchor, and Connor, the producer, we are all going to keep an eye on that NHL trade tracker. Will we get breaking news tonight? At any point during the next four hours, will Patrick Kane be a New York Ranger by the time I leave here tonight? Well, let me go ahead and shake my magic eight ball. All signs point to yes. Both it and I say that Patrick Kane will be a Ranger. Hopefully it'll be tonight. So fingers crossed for some breaking news. That is always fun. And uh, I know... Winter is upon us. Connor and I were talking before, but winter is upon us uh, this weekend in full force. I mean, it is 32 degrees right now. Did you hear? I mean, maybe it's just the the teacher in me, but uh, I was uh, checking the forecast. And we might actually get accumulating snow Monday night into Tuesday. My part of Jersey, three to five inches. But you know what? Who cares? Who cares? We were all tuned in to 85-degree Florida today for the first real baseball experience of the season. The Yankees at the Phillies in Clearwater and the Mets with a split squad, half in West Palm against the Astros, the other half on TV in Port St. Lucie against the Marlins. But I bet it looked or sounded a lot different than you remembered last season. How much better already baseball is this season than last. Crisper, more engaging, more action. And did you notice I didn't say faster? Oh, that's definitely a welcome byproduct of it all. So, listen, I I I tell you, I consider myself a baseball traditionalist. I really do. I really do. These changes were so needed. I mean, just compare the average length of a baseball game last season to all of the rest of the major four sports. Which did you think had the shortest average time of the four major sports? If you guessed NBA, you're correct. The average length of an NBA game last season was about two hours and 12 minutes. NHL game, about the same. Two hours and 30 minutes. And an NFL game, I don't know if you're with me on this one, but these have started to slow down a lot. Average NFL game last season was three hours and 12 minutes. 
kind of too long, if we're being honest here. The reviews, the challenges, the timeouts, bringing in the rules experts, commercials before and after kickoffs. I think the NFL should be taking some notes on this baseball experiment, actually. And last season, the average length of a Major League Baseball game was three hours and six minutes. Actually down from a record, three hours and ten minutes in 2001. That's amazing. Think about how long the sport of baseball has been around. Like a really long time, right? Three hours and ten minutes in 2021, a record length. And Friday night, last night, the first game with a pitch clock. Padres, Mariners, yesterday. A very welcome two hours and 29 minutes. That is a difference of 37 minutes. And that is a really big deal. That is a really big difference, actually. So now, a 7.05 game will end at at 9.35 p.m. instead of 10.15 I mean, that's a big deal for a professional like me who who's up at the crack of dawn and, and for the kids, too. I bet, I bet attendance goes up because of these changes. Kids are not staying up till 10.15 to watch the end of a baseball game, let alone go to one, and then, oh yeah, go home, get home from one, too. It's just way too late. But enough about the, the, the length of the game, the time of the game. Let us talk about the major welcome, I love them rules, changes in place for this season and beyond from, I think, two or three different perspectives. Number one, the fielder. I love this rule change. It is going to bring back the, 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 the quintessential Derek Jeter-type rangy throws, especially the plays up the middle and the ones in the gap. In the hole, I should say. And and as a middle, middle infielder myself, as a shortstop, I'll, I'll, let's put it this way. Think of the shortstop. I'm going to need to position myself on the infield dirt, both feet on the infield dirt, or I guess in front of it in certain game situations, and to the shortstop side of second base. So again, I need to position myself on the dirt, or in front of it, of course, as game situations dictate, and to the shortstop side of second base. Same, and then just reversed, if, if you're the second baseman. So picture like a, an imaginary line going to the outfield grass from the right side of the second base bag, and another imaginary line going to the outfield grass from the left side of the second base bag. That little zone there, that is considered no man's land. No fielder can be in that column of space, I guess you would call it. And all of this is umpire monitored, including the fact that you cannot start sprinting in any direction at any point during a pitcher's delivery. And it it is challengeable, so this could get interesting. I'm wondering if eventually, after some big play, they might put like a, a small line. Like a boundary. Like you can't cross this line if you're the shortstop, and you can't cross this line if you're the second baseman. Because I think that's kind of ambiguous, really, especially since it's challengeable. And the penalty for any of that is an automatic ball on the batter. And the one wrinkle that I I would like to see 
how often it actually gets deployed is you can still take any outfielder and call them into the infielder infield to be act as a, a, a fifth infielder. So, you know, maybe you're going to pull your center fielder in and, and split your middle infielders towards the first and third base backs and then have your outfielders, the remaining outfielders, kind of kind of just play the gaps only. You know what I mean? And, and I would like to see how, how that kind of plays out because that is allowed. But as a manager, you better be really sure or else that ball, that batter with a ball in the gap, it's he's going to be off to the races. And, and speaking of bigger bases, races with bigger bases for a from a base runner's perspective, there is a four inch or four and a half inch shorter base path around the bases, except for home to first and third to home. Those are just three inches shorter. So more action on the bases, of course, is going to equal more engagement in the game. More action, more engagement. And that leads us to the biggest change, the most welcome change, the most radical new age change, the pitch clock. Wow. Well worth it. Way overdue. And I know the baseball purists are, are, I can't wait to pick up the phone and call 877-337-6666. But as a pitcher, from a pitcher's perspective, here, here's what you need to know. You have 15 seconds to be, at least be, in your pitching motion with no runners on. You have 20 seconds to at least be in your pitching motion with runners on. And also, too, the umpire is going to channel the, the cheating Astros, and the umpire is going to be able to, or has to, wear a buzzer on his wrist to, to signal to him when that time clock expires so that, of course, they can keep their eyeballs on the action. It'll be up to the umpire, complete control, to call that late pitch. And it is my understanding that... At, and here's the other thing. I, I couldn't get a, a perfect read on this because they don't show, like you, the view, the TV viewer, can't see the pitch clock um, in a regular viewing situation. And I had on SNY before, and they uh, said that they only display on, on like the little score bug, it's called, the little score thing. They only display the time clock when it reaches eight or seven seconds. And I did see that tonight, but I believe it is my understanding that the pitch clock actually starts ticking as soon as the ball leaves the catcher's hand. And then it resets, you know, after any action, like a pickoff throw, a balk, a wild pitch, a stolen base, et cetera, et cetera. So welcome change. Similar. I mean, it's, it's not, and it's not like we haven't seen this kind of a change before or this kind of a rule, you know, instituted. It's similar to a shot clock, or pretty much the exact same thing as a shot clock. It's similar to a play clock in football. It's even, I mean, even servers in volleyball, like when you actually serve the ball in service, even that time gets counted. Like the, the referee, the up referee actually counts with his hand quietly. It's a silent count, but he does. I mean, you can't take all day to make a decision as a pitcher. 
And again, as a pitcher, you are allowed to what they call disengage twice per batter with either a pickoff throw or a step off. And if there is a third disengagement, you're either charged with a balk or you have to attempt a pickoff play. And I was thinking about this. Now, as a base runner, say I'm on first base, and, and, and you don't have to be fast. You just have to be opportunistic here. As a base runner, let's say I'm on first. Situation, right? I'm on first base. I already know the opposing pitcher has thrown over to, to check on me twice. Okay? The next time he throw the next time he, you know, disengages, either I'm moving to second base automatically, or or I'm gonna take my chances and t- try to take second base. And I was thinking the mentality, right, is is after that second disengagement, me as a base runner, I'm going to have one eye on the pitch clock because they can see it on the field. We just can't see it on TV, which I wish that they would do that. Like, I don't know. Anyway, so I'm going to keep as a base runner my eye on the pitch clock, and I can just imagine myself as a defensive lineman with his eye on the play clock getting a jump on his way to the quarterback. You can get an awesome jump on your way to second base. And I, I would imagine that this would increase the number of attempts to steal even third base from, from second base because, of course, the fielders are going to have to be playing farther off the base. It's not like a, like a first baseman can hold you on, right? Second baseman and shortstop, they're playing a little bit farther off the base. So you're going to be able to get an even bigger lead. And, an, and that's exciting to me because an overthrow by either the pitcher on the third attempt uh, or, or the catcher is, is likely going to score a run. And I know on the, the SNY broadcast that uh, they were saying Buck Walter was, was anticipating more um, pitch-outs and that the Mets only attempted one pitch-out last season altogether. Well, that's going to be exciting because I know Kyle Higashioka works really hard with Anthony Rizzo to, to do... I've seen it. I've watched some practices. You know, the, the, the first baseman slide step behind the runner and, and the, the catcher's throw down. That's going to be exciting. And then you get a rundown. What's more exciting than a rundown in baseball? I mean, at the at the little levels, I mean, everybody gets involved. Every player is involved in the rundown. But I, I think it's I, I, so far so good for me in every single change we've talked about. And as a batter, this pitch clock, you have, as a batter, you have one timeout per plate appearance. So... You better make sure your batting gloves are Velcroed very nicely as you walk up to the plate. Otherwise, you better be in and here's here's in the batter's box. There's a quote here in the batter's box and alert to the pitcher with at least eight seconds remaining on the clock. And it, game one, it happened to Manny Machado in the first ever game using it on Friday night. The umpire called time, signaled an automatic strike on Machado. Because he was not all the way in the box with under eight seconds to go. And he did say, after the game, he did say that the umpire did give him a little warning of like, hey, you got two seconds. Uh, but Machado said he was already, it was already too far gone. He was already too late in his routine anyway, so he just took it. I mean, oh well, right? And he also said he was going to be concerned about uh, walk-up music, is what Machado said. And, and it's silly, but it's true, really. Think about it. So really, all of this is for the greater good 
of the game that we all love. My friend, Laura, was at the the Mets-Astros game today, and she texted me, and she said, the game is moving along a lot nicer. And she's got three kids, and they were all with her. (laughs) Uh, She did say that they weren't any more engaged, but they're little. They're they're little, little. So I don't know. And, And here's just one more thing that I thought of before we go to the phones or end our break here. So when you're a fan at a game, think about it. You're at City Field. You're at Yankee Stadium. You go up. You get food or beer or whatever. You go to the bathroom, whatever. And it's always like like, like an inning-long type of ordeal. The lines are forever. You know what I mean? People are still deciding what they want in the line. And you're like, oh, my God, I just, wanna, I just want a uh, chicken finger basket. That's all I want. I already know. I'm wondering now how much more of the action you're actually going to miss now with this faster pace of play while you're standing there in in the corridors. Is that what it's called? You know, in in the hallways there in line for whatever it is you're going to do. And I am not going to wait in a food line and miss two innings of action. I'm just not. I'd rather bring a sandwich in with me at that point. Because I think you can do that, right? I never have, but I will start. And so I would like to know, what are the owner's plans, in our case, Steve Cohen and Hal Steinbrenner, to speed up, especially the sale of food concessions in the stadium? They're going to need to employ more wait staff. You know, when you're sitting in your seat and they come around and take your order, and, and not just for the legend seats and for the field boxes. I mean... I'm talking wait staff in the entire 100s and 200s sections. Or you just add more food carts. carts, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there. But they better figure it out because people are going to be quite annoyed, including me, if I have to continuously wait in line for my food while there's major action going on with this faster pace of play. But to me, I think that's the only downside. Everything else, I am completely... And totally, utterly on board for. It is time for baseball to modernize. And, you know, the plan, I mean, the objective tonight is is not to dissect every single at-bat of a spring training game. Although it's nice to finally have it back, right? Did you see? Jason Dominguez, a 420-foot home run, a Brett Beatty bomb. I mean, nice. The future is here. Beatty more than Dominguez, but still, it's still fun. And at the t- same time, we're going to st- sit here tonight and appreciate our first taste of new look Major League Baseball, the pitch clock, the, the banning of the shift, the more action on the bases. I absolutely love it all, all of it. I'm Daniel McCartan, and I'm telling you, it is completely and totally so far overdue. And so are your phone calls at 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 1 a.m. here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan, hanging with you till 1 a.m. So we've got much more time to hang together tonight as the Knicks are dominating the Pelicans at the Garden. It's just, it's just a good night. I just feel it. We might get some cane news. I got some people checking in on Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Uh, Paul Schnurman says, uh, the new baseball rules are finally here. Of all the rule changes, I think the shift ban improves the game with more than pitch clocks. 
Larger bases are a close second. We, we shall see. I don't think so. You've already seen how pitch clocks can sort of kind of wreak havoc uh, on a game, um, including the very first game in which they instituted it. Manny Machado was called. Unfazed. He still hit a single in the at-bat, but I, I'm going to write, I disagree. Thanks for checking in. But I think clocks are the biggest change. Definitely. I mean, you should see it. It looks like you're watching baseball on, on, on fast forward. I kind of like it. I've got another tweet coming in from uh, Ricardo Kausler. And he says, please talk about the change to baseball. Very interesting. It will take me some time to get used to accepting. Other than that, it's great to see spring training again. It's wonderful to see the Yankees prospects like Dominguez playing. Absolutely. Especially when he's hitting 420-foot bombs. The Martian. I don't expect you'll see him or suspect that you'll see him uh, this season at the major league level. Probably next season it would be my guess. And uh, my cousin from Florida, Tiffany, is checking in. And she said, oh, I kind of like the 15 inning at Yankee Field that I sat through. I don't know what that means, Yankee Field. And then she wrote, chicken finger basket, so on brand for you. I guess it is. (laughs) 877-337-6666 is the number to call. And one of the changes uh, coming, or still able to be done, is that you can bring an outfielder into the infield to act as your fifth infielder, and then you need to play with two outfielders in, in the outfield, however you want to construct that. You can do that. That is legal. And who would it be for the Yankees? My ideal Yankee outfield, left to right, Stanton, Bader, Judge. It has to be that. Mo in Brooklyn wants to weigh in. Go ahead, Mo. Yeah, how you doing? Great, how are you? Good. Um, what's it called? I was thinking... Yeah, we bring Peter Dominguez. Yeah, up. What he could do? Okay. He, he, or, not yet. It's he's not yet. It's not going to happen yet. Why not? Uh well, because we haven't seen him against real pitching. MLB Pipeline is not predicting him to come just yet. He's not ready. He's he's got concerns about striking out. Um. And 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 the speed, the bat speed, and all that. He's just he's just not ready. He's a nice prospect. He's just not ready. Okay, another one can be Cedric Mullins. Hmm, that would be a little bit more intriguing, only because he is a major league player already. Um, he plays center field. I don't know. What is it, his experience in left? That's what I would be interest, interested in seeing. If he could play center, he could play left. So it's the way it is. As a left fielder, in his career, he's only played five games in left field. I don't think he's going to be bad. And they need another bat in there. It's not so much the problem with the field. It's more the hitting. Well, if you, if you can, I mean, last year he, he hit uh, 258. And if you compare that against Aaron Hicks last year, he hit 216. It's it's a little bit better, right? And you'd get a, definitely a better fielder. But um, I, I, I would I would be intrigued by it. I would. But I don't know if I would trust him in left field. At that point, do you, don't you just go with uh, uh, Cabrera in left field at that point and hope he grows into the well, role? He's not good. I need to say that there's a more ideal, easy, in Santander. 
with the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, are you an Oriole fan? Is that? <laughs> no. What I mean to say is, no, I'm a Yankee fan, and he destroyed the Yankees. That's the, that's the <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, again, I don't. I you know, I don't. I don't know. I. I, I mean, 89 games in left field. Trader, a little bit more of a, a, a better trader, sample good size. Fielder, good. You know, Yankees need some lefty bats in there. Yeah. Defensive run save was a negative 13, though. That's not great. That would kind of that would kind of nullify what he he has the potential to do with a bat that is just you know about the same as Aaron Hicks is honestly, so I don't know and maybe it's just that he is uh, just a Yankee killer there Mo I don't know, but as as far as you know Dominguez, yes switch hitter I mean look he he's a very nice prospect you love the fact that he's a switch hitter. Obviously, both sides of the plate. He's, he's better at hitting uh, left-handed pitching. He's made a lot of progress. He now is a better. He's not so much of a free swinger. He controls the strike zone. Um, just needs some time, I think. And it's easy to t- hit a 240-foot bomb, you know, off of a a pitcher in spring training. It's different to do it at Yankee Stadium when it matters. He's gotten stronger. He can steal bases. People think that he eventually he'll become a corner outfielder. Scouts, I mean, by people. Um, but they're kind of projecting him to be a right fielder. And, well, unfortunately for him, Yankees have a right fielder for a really long time. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But if I'm looking at MLB Pipeline, let me type in his name, Dominguez. Uh, coming soon. Uh, top thirty by team. Well, maybe we'll do it that way because it it projects when when these these guys will be um, able to to come up, and it's pretty right on. Uh, Jason Dominguez, yeah, it's projecting a, a twenty twenty four arrival at the major league level. That's pretty much what I said. So keep working at it, and you'll see. They'll see where he goes. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. A great player, though. Great prospect. Can't wait to see how he proje- who progresses throughout this season. Uh, if I'm the Yankees, I know they're going to start Aaron Hicks in left field. I already know it. You already know it. You know It's inevitable that you're going to see Aaron Hicks in left field. Inevitable. I would love to see Stanton out there because he plays better. He hits better when he's out there every day. And I don't think they're going to give up on Cabrera just yet. I think they'll, they would give, you know, deal with his defense. Subpar defense in left field to keep his bat in the lineup. To Closter, New Jersey. Hey, that's my neck of the woods. Hey, Steve, what's going on? Hey, Danielle. How are you? I am pissed off about these baseball rules. Why? Okay. So in this in the 60s, why do we get rid of bunting? Why don't they bunt anymore? Why don't we steal bases? Because the numbers said that we shouldn't do it, right? Why do we start putting shifts in? Because the numbers said we should shift. Okay. But then they also said that the batter should not go the other way because the numbers say it's better for them to try to hit to the shift. I'm just thinking we had to put a clock in to get baseball back to where it used to be. And that's what's pissing me off. Well, so she, It's almost like we've modernized the game to demodernize it. Yeah, but it, 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 it's back to where it was, so that's a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. But I just it's just kind of funny that we've used 
the numbers almost ruined the game. And we're trying to get kids who are always on their computers yeah. to look up from the computers to look at a clock on the field that's going to determine. Because in the 60s, the games used to be two and a half hours anyway. Yeah, I know. That is true. So it's just kind of ironic. It is. And that's it. And I would, you know what, Steve, I wouldn't be pissed off about it because I, I welcome it. I welcome a two and a half hour game. No, I, I, you know, you're exactly right. But it's just kind of like, it's ironic. why do we even have to do this? That the numbers took over the game. Right. No. And now we have to adjust the rules. Yeah. Because they took over the game too much. I mean, obviously numbers are a part of the game now, but they became too much part of the game and they slowed the game down. I get it. I do understand it. And and you know what, though? I mean, think about the NBA. They they adopted a shot clock in 1954. Prior to that, there was no shot clock going on in, in, in NBA basketball. So it's like... Well, it, in the NBA, it. some people are saying the three-point shot is ruining the game also. Well, but yeah. That's, that's, that, that's sort of... That's going to be the next thing that needs to be examined across, you know, major major sports is is this three-point thing. It's it's too much, I think, too. Well, I am actually going to enjoy the games being shorter. I've been telling my son, yes, we're going to spring training. We're going down to Point St. Lucie's this week. Nice. And I said, boom, we're going to be out of there in two or three hours. Less, two and a half. That's right. Have a good night. Yeah, thanks there, Stephen. And, and I understand that, that initially you're like, what the hell? We got to watch a clock now in baseball? It's the only sport without a clock. That's like the man with shaking his fist at the clouds. I get it. But if that's what it takes to bring baseball back from the brink, let's be honest. I'm in a school building every day of the week. And when I when, it, when it's jersey day, those kids are not wearing baseball jerseys. You know what they're wearing? Basketball jerseys. Basketball jerseys. And you know what? Going back to my hoping, guess which of the four major sports had the least average game time across all the four major sports? Basketball. I don't think that's a coincidence. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Get aboard. My name is Danielle McCartan. Hanging with you for another couple hours here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. Talking new rules, welcome rules, and baseball games finally. Two and a half hours. Yes. Yes. Also talking about, just briefly, and if you would like to get aboard with this too, uh, the Yankees... Lineup, the Yankees' defensive configuration, uh, yikes. They've got major questions. At uh, I might be biased, but the, the most premium position in all of, all of baseball, shortstop. Who's their shortstop? Who's their left fielder? And who's their closer? Those are three really big um, question marks for the Yankees. Can you really stomach watching Josh Donaldson? Again, Ugh. Vincent Russo checks in on Twitter. He says, Danielle, touch screens at every seat. You order whatever you want from your seat, and that should be coming very soon. That's the solution. That's it. Or maybe you could just use your phone and it gets delivered. That's even more. You can institute that right now. Right now. Uh, I got, uh, this is an interesting tweet. I got a tweet, and it says, uh, you mentioned the word routine for hitters in your open. Curious to see how pitchers also adjust. Guys like Bassett, question mark. Um, that's, that's interesting, especially from a local perspective, because I'm on Baseball Savant right now. Great site. The longest time it takes to pitch with you know, uh, bases empty 
Jonathan Loisaga, who is a Yankee. He's got, uh, it's a select up to four players. Detail comparison on their pitch tempo. Okay. Loisaga, 25.8. That's over. Jonathan Loisaga with runners on base, 26.4. Also over. Way over on the bases empty thing. Uh, Brent Suter, he works with the best tempo. And I'm just, I want to go, I want to see if I can do, let me click on Yankees. Which Yankees pitchers are going to have the hardest time? Nestor Cortez works the fastest. Loisaga works the slowest. Oh, and look at this. So does Clay Holmes, second slowest. Michael King. Mm-hmm. That's, that might be an issue for the Yankees. Let's see if we can look at the Mets here. Fastest match pitcher with tempo looks to be Max Scherzer. Slowest is Adam Adovino, but Adam Adovino today pitched and, and didn't have so much of a big to-do about it. So, you know, it, it's we'll have to wait and see because um, it's going to get interesting. Oh, man, they have, like, all these things you could click on. I'm going to have fun with this on the next commercial break. 877-337-6666. We got Joe in Staten Island. You're up first here on The Fan. Hey, what's going on? Um, my question is, I'm going to hang up after, is what do you think of, uh, I know it's died down, but uh, the Fernando Tatis trade in San Diego, since they have, like, almost three shortstops now. And um, I'm going to hang up and listen to see what you guys say. Thank uh, you. Yeah, and thanks there, Joe. And the little description here says, to New York Yankees. Um, no. It's a no for me on Tatis Jr. to the Yankees. It's it's really, it's, it's a hard no. I mean, the guy's owed, I mean, this year alone, $21.3 million against the, you know, the luxury tax. The Yankees won't do it. Hal Steinbrenner won't do it, period. And he especially won't do it for a guy that was suspended 80 games last year for testing positive for PEDs. And he said it was for, for ring ringworm is what he said. And 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 not only that, he's gonna miss thirty-two games of this season. So A, he's too expensive, and B, what's one more infraction? He, he's gonna miss a really long time. Extra long time. So who cares what San Diego does with him? I hope. And I don't think that the Yankees would bite on Tatis Jr. I mean, they didn't bite on any of the other guys. They've got a couple shortstops on their roster. And they didn't parlay any of them into any of those big-name A-listers last season, last offseason. And you should have seen what just happened in this Knicks game. A stolen ball at midcourt. Quickly lays it up, but nope, against the glass. And Julius Randle slammed it home. A layup against the glass from Quickly. Followed up, cleaned up. On purpose, he did it. Cleaned up by Julius Randle. Sends the garden into a tizzy. Knicks are up 120-90 to in the fourth. Hey, look out for the New York Knicks. Frank in Manhattan's up next here on The Fan. Go ahead, Frank. Hi, Danielle. How are you tonight? Good, good. How are you? Doing good. Uh, I just wanted to piggyback off what you said earlier. I can't go to opening day and see Aaron Hicks in left field. Mm. Josh Donaldson at third base, and IKF is short. I can't do it. I guess you won't be there then because that's what's going to happen, unfortunately. That's my fear. I know Boone and Cashman, they love these guys. Donaldson's 37 years old. The bat speed's not coming back. 
Oh, not according to Aaron Boone, though. Not according to Aaron Boone. Yeah, well, Boone might be dreaming that um, that Donaldson still plays with uh, Toronto when he won his MVP. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, hey. I just... Go ahead. I, you know, I just wish, you know, that Cabrera plays left, LeMay was back healthy, plays third base, and give Peraza the shot to play short. He came up last year. Yep. We saw a little glimpse of him. You know what, though? Frank, we didn't just see a glimpse of him. We saw Peraza come up in an impossible spot, really, playing defense for the defensive guru shortstop that the Yankees went out and got themselves. Imagine that. I always enjoy the word guru. I always get a chuckle out of it. I, I, uh, used, to know, call, <laughs> I used to call Adam Gaze Adam Guru. Well, he had Peyton Manning. I could have been Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator <laughs> with Denver. <laughs> yeah, you and but, me oh, both. And I wish they'd give – I know you said before how, like, the whole pitch clock thing. I, my, the guy in the best the – guy, they have the best stuff in the Yankees' bullpen, in my opinion, is Loisica. Of course. The guy's got close-up potential yep. stuff. Yep. I know the pitch clock might be an issue, but I'm looking forward to opening day, but I just don't want to see those three guys in the, open, in the starting lineup. I'll, I'll vomit in my seat. <laughs> are, you, are you actually going? Do you have tickets? Yes. Me, me and my buddies are ready. You know, we we got to keep tradition going. Besides the COVID year, we got to keep this tradition going. Can't stop now. Frank, I do not want to be sitting around you. You better bring yourself a barf bag because that's what's going to happen. I will. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Have a good night. Yeah, you too, Frank. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, um, it's unfortunate, but uh, that, I, that not that I want it. I, I'm not happy to see it either. I might vomit myself. However, you're going to see Kiner Fleffet short. Opening day in in left field, Aaron Hicks, and it's got it's gonna be embarrassing. And, and, oh, and at third base, Josh Donaldson, as they get announced, and this the booze, the smattering of booze is gonna be embarrassing. And yet, the Yankees brought back the brain trust of Cashman, especially him, especially Cashman. Ben in Queens is up next here on the fan. Go ahead, Ben. Morning, Coach. I'm sorry to say evening, Evening. Coach. <laughs> hey, Ben, I'm on all times a day. It's all good. Yeah, Ben say the multi-two player. Um, you brought the Knicks. Let me, let me hit the Knicks real quick. I'm loving this. I'm loving the, the, their their thing right now, mm-hmm. this passion. Except for R.J. Barrett. It's like it's like a polar opposite. Could R.J. Barrett play with the gumption he had last year? No. Everything's going good. R.J. Barrett's out. We, we can't win. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> quite inconsistent. And, Ben, let me just cut you off for one second because they, they, they just went to commercial on MSG here, and they showed Julius Randle sitting in a chair nursing his, his right knee, really grasping at it and, and massaging it himself. So that might be something to watch moving forward. He was smiling, but we'll see. But I, I get it. The, the, the inconsistency of R.J. Barrett is um, – it's it's maddening at times. Yes, it, it it's it's the eternal tur- it's the eternal curse of being a Knicks fan. <laughs> Every, even when we have something to enjoy, there's the negative cloud right there. Can't can't shake it right right there. But right can't now though, the Knicks are good enough that that they can absorb it and they can absorb the ebbs and flows of R.J. Barrett. They can. Yeah, and and yo, jo- like like you were telling me, Josh Hart. God sent. Mm, I know. Doesn't he fit just, right in? Just turned in. I I take back everything I said. Mm-hmm. They can show me I was a Cam Reddish guy. Yep. Nah, 
Josh Hart. Well, Ben, did you see the other? I t- I changed the channel the other night from one game to the other, from the abysmal Nets game to the Knicks, and and the very first play I saw was Josh Hart diving, diving. face first for a loose ball. Amazing! He, I love seeing that. He he's John Starks with a more consistent shot. I love it. Um, quickly on the baseball and college basketball. Let me hit the college basketball first. Sorry, Johnny fans. This loss. That the, the, the Giants will have to win is the Big East tournament. There was like little slivers of hope off of this last three wins out of the last four thing. No, no. They, UConn knew exactly what they were doing today, and all our valiant defense, they just destroyed. It was like the Kings last night just destroyed the defense. As far as pitch clock goes, yeah. I don't see why folks are compl- folks complaining today. Oh, that's to be how you decide the game. Look, they all know the rule now. Yep. <laughs> they all know the rule. That's right. You're going to have old-time fans a- angry, but hold it. Wasn't you guys, the same guy saying, these games are taking too long? It's the same. It's the same <laughs> thing. Yep. You can't make anybody happy. So... So, look, that's the rule. We, we, this is spring training. Get used to it now because you this will pop up in the season, guaranteed. Because you know a lot of hitters. Everybody was pointing, it's the pitchers, it's the pitchers, pitchers. It, those hitters stepping out of the box yep. 20 million things with their hands yeah. instead of getting ready to hit, yep. you're going to learn today. Yep, Coach, enjoy the night, man. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so we, we spanned a lot there. But everybody knows the rules. That's like uh, that, that pizza guy. One bite, everybody knows the rules. Forget his name. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, the the Braves-Red Sox game, how it was, how the umpire decided the game. Quick break, a Pat Boyle update. I'm Dana McCartan with you till 1 here on The Fan. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan here at the top of the 10 p.m. hour. One down, three to go. Did you see? By the way, while the Devils just went final, so did the Knicks. Knicks beat the Pelicans 126-106 on this very special night at the Garden. But did you see that uh, the new MLB The Show cover player was revealed the other day? And I know I'm about, I'm about to pull a Kanye West here. I get it. I was there the night he did it to Taylor Swift. I I watched Taylor Swift crying in the lobby of Radio City Music Hall. But I'm about to pull a Kanye here. I know Major League Baseball is trying to promote one of their young new stars in, in Jazz Chisholm Jr. But Aaron Judge might have had the greatest season of all time. I mean, the cover art basically draws itself Aaron Judge at the forefront. The background is Monument Park. He's holding up a plaque that says 62. And and the ghosts of Yankees past in the background are looking over his shoulder. Maris, of course. Mantle, Ruth, etc. I mean, dude had the best individual season for any position player in a really long time. And they went with Chisholm. I mean, come on. Like... I know that that Judge was on the cover for 2018's game, and I know that's also a while ago at this point. And so long ago, he he still had the gap in his two front teeth. But this year, uh, they've got the collector's edition out, too, and they have uh, Derek Jeter 
as the cover player for that. And I don't know, maybe they thought two Yankees were too much for one single year. I mean, I guess Jeter could wait, right? No, he's not going anywhere. But that it, it's a cartoon image of him, and it just sucks. It doesn't look, it doesn't look anything like him, anything like Derek Jeter. Anyway, the show comes out on March 28th. I can't wait. That's one of my favorite games. I don't care who's on the cover. It's about what's inside the game that matters. Um, Road to the show, that's my jam. Create a player mode, that's my jam. Road to the show. (laughs) 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard. And um, let's talk uh, to Marty in Westchester. Go ahead, Marty. Yes, good evening, Danielle. Uh, always good to talk to you. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk about the uh, three question marks in the Yankee uh, lineup. Left field, it's got to be anybody but Aaron Hicks. I mean, uh, uh, there's just no confidence that this ball player can, number one, stay healthy. And if by some miracle he does stay healthy, I just I just don't think uh, he's the answer. He's just a shell of what he he was his first couple of years with the Yankees. Even still, that contract was way too much. I'm on the record saying it. It's just now it's like, all right, well, what are they going to do with him? They can't yeah, do anything three, with him. Right, three years to go. Not a good situation. Terrible I would situation. Say, I would say combination of Stanton and Cabrera. And we know that Stanton, I mean, in an ideal world, he'd be the left fielder, but he can't stay healthy either. Right. But uh, a small dose of Stanton in left field uh, would be better than... Uh, oh, than sign Aaron. me up for it. Of course, Cabrera, Cabrera, too, has to be in the mix. I mean, right. I, I think he will be. I mean, for, First of all, Marty, I think that the Yankees are, are going to roll out Aaron Hicks out there. I really do. And I th- actually think it's going to be a combination of, of Hicks-Stanton, unfortunately. Um, I, I don't really yeah. see uh, Cabrera tapping in over there because... Aaron Hicks makes too much money and this and that, and what are they going to do with him? They, you know, he's going to be disgruntled. I think they're trying to appease him, and unfortunately, I think that's the wrong way to do it. But I, I think that's the way they're going to do it. And I think that's the same scenario at third base with Josh yep. Donaldson. Oh, now, yeah, who I'm makes th- even more? Um, a ton of money, but I'm thinking that, I mean, if he picks up where he left off last year and continues not to hit, I mean, there is an alternative with uh, hopefully a healthy D.J. LeMayo. He can play third base. Yes. I'd rather see him at third base than Josh Donaldson. Oh, me too. Absolutely but, me too. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean you, you look at what Josh Donaldson did at the end of that season, in the, in, especially in the postseason. He, you, which is the, the eye test. The guy did not adjust. He didn't change his swing. He, he was swinging out of his shoes every time the bat wet, whipped around. I mean, it was, it was sickening to watch. And I can't believe that they are anointing him, you know, the next coming this year again already. Yeah, well, he, he's another one who's past his prime. He's seen better days. And, yeah. Uh, uh, but that's not good either. Shortstop, I'm really hoping uh, uh, Volpe. Or Peraza. I know Peraza uh, had some time in September. He looked very good defensively. Yep. I'm hoping he wins a shortstop job. Me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't think, but Marty, I don't think it's going to happen again. I mean, they just gave IKF $6 million more. Right, which doesn't make sense because, I mean, he started the season well, but he he, he declined as, as the season progressed. Yep. And he wasn't dependable defensively. Late in the season, and to the he got benched in the playoffs. Ironic, isn't it? Benched for a rookie to to mm-hmm. cover his his defensive mistakes and miscues. I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't get it. It's frustrating. I don't get it. 
Yeah, not a good not a good situation for those those three positions that we just talked about. It's uh, nope. And hopefully they'll be able to make adjustments as the season goes on, and then they, they see the error of their ways. Well, uh, that will remain to be seen, there, Marty. Yeah. Uh, listen, have a good evening, Danielle. Have a nice weekend. You too. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, to Hillsborough, Jersey, we go. Steve, you're up next here on the fan. Hey, coach. How are you? What's going on, I Steve? First, say um, I would love to have you on my podcast, the Rat Cage Podcast, to talk all New York sports. Right. But I want to talk about Daniel Jones. If yeah, you have a Daniel Jones, let's switch gears. Sure, let's do it. Uh, you know, I'm a big Yankee fan, so if we could switch to baseball in a second, but it's just crazy thoughts that Daniel Jones wouldn't be a New York Giant after the great season he had. It blows my mind. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, he, he's going to be a really giant. Is. They only have eyes for each other. There's not They're that just... many great well, quarterbacks in the league at all, and I think he's at least in the 100% in the top 20, and I think he's arguably, if on his best day, a top 10 quarterback. Well, he and... finished at a tied, I think it was for 14th in the league in terms of quarterback rating last year. So he is top at least 14 for sure. Yeah, and for the Giants to not just give him – what he wants in the, the quarterback-driven league, where yeah, I, he I might mean, as well pay the pay the guy, and especially because where is he going to go that he would succeed more than Giants the after Jets. a good the Jets? Would he though? Would he would one hundred percent succeed there and be yes. better? He would be more yes. happy there. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I listen. I would be. He's got he's got the offensive rookie of the year to throw the ball to. Tell me who he had to throw the ball to to the Giants on the Giants. But but if the if the Jets are going to pay him, and the Giants will let him walk, but the Jets might as well pay Daniel Carr or, or you're Daniel, but you know Derek, Dave, Carr. Derek Carr and I'd rather have Daniel Jones I would, over I would, Derek if, Carr. If I was the Jets, I would stay away from Aaron Rodgers. But that's a different subject. Oh no, yeah, that, that we did a whole five hour show on that the other night. Aaron Rodgers is choice number one for me. Really, really? I, I I would say away. It's it's a it's a one year thing for him, but two probably two. But if he brings you Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. Does he bring you to Super Bowl? He says that every year about the Packers. And well, the, I believe one. the Jets are a better team than the Packers. More put together. Are they though? I don't know. Yeah, they are. Some right now they are, but he he couldn't figure out. Thing with the Packers to bring him somewhere other than his couple COVID seasons and before that. It just smells like the the previous In with the, the past Brett three Barber seasons, era. Aaron Rodgers has won it, two MVPs. Yeah, but yeah. it smells like uh, Brett Favre era. No, the Brett Favre thing was he had a major injury, and thanks for the call there, Steve. Brett Favre had a major injury that the Jets hid and got fined a ton of money for it. Major injury. Not just like, oh, my knee hurts. Okay? That's that. And the Jets were doing well until he, until he went out. Damian Woody was saying that they thought they were going to make the Super Bowl with him until it happened, until it went down. So I disagree. Dan in Sparta, New Jersey. You're up on a fan. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Again. Yes. <laughs> I had a question for you. you I, I heard you earlier on my way home about how you like how baseball's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I don't like it. I don't like how the pitching is going. Um, everyone throws a hundred something, you know, miles an hour, um, throwing these kids' arms out, learning from from high school up to 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 throw that fast and no technique. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I feel like if they could get a kid or somebody that I mean, it it really doesn't make any sense to me to throw your arm out and only have like a ten year whatever, you know, with Tommy John surgery, everyone has it. Um, but I, I, I'm just using an example of, of a Mark, Mark Eichhorn of the Toronto Blue Jays back in the day that uh, had surgery and then he couldn't pitch and had to do sidearm. And he was like effective and he was like known as the slowest pitcher in baseball and was incredibly effective in setting up Tom Henke, who ended up being an all-star and maybe a, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know much about Tom Henke, but, <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is the, the art of pitching is gone. Well, and right. you're saying that you, you, you say that baseball is advancing. I think it's digress is it's, it's going into like, okay, but, but Dan, how, how can you how can you pull it back now though? How how could you do it? Batters are going to cl- they're used to seeing 100 miles an hour. That's now the norm, you know. Aroldis yeah, I know. Chapman, but the Chapman saw his demise when when he did not learn how to adapt to become a pitcher. He was just a thrower. That that was right. his demise. So it works for but, some. It doesn't work for others. Jacob Degrom, you're going to tell me that 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 that's not exciting to watch him pitch when he when he touches 100 how many times a game? That guy, that guy is a surgical when he pitches. I, 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 I agree, but for for the other pitchers after their career where they can't throw that fast, they got to be like uh, mechanics. That's fine. You know that I mean? happened. Andy Pettit learned how to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. CC Sabathia learned how to do it. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Yeah, but to get to like eighty, seventy, you know, a changeup of uh, between, you know, at this point now they're used to seeing a hundred. So a changeup. Would be, would be devastating. 85. Would be devastating, right? But you can't, you can't reel it back now. You can't tell all the pitchers say, "Hey, you can't throw 100 miles an hour anymore." Everybody, you just can't do it. You can't roll that back. No way. It is what it is. Unfortunately, that's the way it's going. The way it's been. Oldest Chapman has that tattoo of of what, however many miles an hour pitch it was on his arm. It was the fastest at the time. Not anymore. They touch that gun, that 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 gun on the regular at that speed now. It, it, it is what it is. You can't. That is like squeeze, putting toothpaste back into a, a tube. You just can't. Unfortunately, that's the that's the speed. That's it. James in New York, you're up on the fan. Hey, what's up? Thank you for taking a call. Ah, thanks for making it. What's up, James? Not a problem. I had a thought you were talking about earlier on the top of the show. Yeah. About the pitch clock and stuff about waiting online, but it's at the uh, vending, at the uh, booth stuff and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I thought maybe if you had a clock on these places, on these stores, put a clock, like, like two minutes, like, get your food, you're done. What do you mean? Like, for the, for the cooks? Yeah, no, no, if you're ordering, so you gotta sit there and sit there with the food and, like, Decide what you're ordering, it's like two minutes. Oh, 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 for the people in line that don't know what they want to yeah, order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'll go faster. You'll be back in inning, half inning. Yeah, unless and I don't. Two minutes, I think, is too long. But what if what if you had like two separate lines, like one with people who know what they want? I'll go out the code it that way, and maybe like a kiosk, like a like an iPad for those that are like looking through and comparing, and they order at the kiosk oh, yeah, and, and go up and order like that. Maybe like that could be a solution. 
Yeah, but just just to like like the like the regular lines that go like fifty people long, it just not worth it. Yeah, the Disneyland uh, snake lines, Disney World snake lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I get At it. At that point, I just sit there. I just don't. I just don't eat. I just it's not worth it. I know it's not. I have a friend go. I pay him ten bucks and yeah, and then you think, yeah, it's not worth it. Hey, thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for making it, James. And and that is in reference to, in case you're just getting in, jumping in the car right now, uh, the one downside I see for the, the pace of play being picked up in baseball is that the lines are not going to get any shorter, meaning you're going to miss more action. And what is a different way that you can do that? It would help that the local economies, they would have to employ more wait staff where you can maybe order it on your phone and have it delivered. Or as he just said, you know, because I mentioned the people that are so indecisive in the line and you know what you want and you have to wait behind them and there's got to be a better way because I'm not going to go up and get my chicken fingers and french fries basket and miss two innings of the game. The chicken fingers and fries that I knew I wanted now, now, months and weeks in advance. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. We've hit football, we've hit baseball, and of course the rule changes and more of your calls at 8. Again, 877-337-6666. My name is Danielle McCartan. With you till 1 a.m. Hey, welcome back. My name is Danielle McCartan. For some riveting sports talk, um, we've hit the Yankees tonight. Did we do the Mets? We did some Giants. We did some Jets. And the Knicks. The New York Knicks. Here they come. I mean, a, a dominating win from, from end to end, from first, second, through the final buzzer, uh, just domination at the Garden tonight over the Pelicans. And let me set the scene for you in this baseball scenario because we're also talking rule changes. Red Sox, Braves, not that it matters, okay, but Red Sox, Braves. Today, it's the bottom of the ninth inning. It is a tie game. The game is tied at 6-6. The bases are loaded. It is a full count. There are two outs. Okay? It is like every um, backyard scenario, right? When you're practicing in the backyard. So the Braves are at bat. Cal Connolly is, is the guy at bat. And Cal Connolly takes too long. The Red Sox pitcher is set. And what happens is the clock ticks down. With with eight seconds left, the batter must be in the box and alert to the pitcher. So when you watch what's going on, they've got a pitch clock going on. At eight seconds, he's still tapping the plate with his bat. At seven seconds, he's got his he's he's got his left arm up in the air. At six seconds, he's standing straight up with two hands on his bat. He's looking at the pitcher. And with five seconds, he does the little whirl around swing, and he's about to get going. Did he forget that there's a pitch clock? The umpire then comes out from behind the plate, calls him out, game over. As it should be. Umpires, they have to enforce the rules now. He even gave him three or four seconds of leeway on this, and then he came out from behind the plate. Cal Conley is never going to take too long again. He was laughing after he got called out, laughing as he walked back to the bench. No way, man. That's it. That's the rule. Rules are rules. Get used to it. I'm glad he, I'm glad that game ended that way. 
I, I had a tweeter ask if this was planned. Yeah, he said, I feel like this was planned. They loaded up the bases and told them to do that. What the rule can do, no one was upset really, and that call was clearly rehearsed. I don't think so. No chance. It's It was bound to happen. And the, the video has got over a quarter of a million views. Oh, well, that's how the cookie crumbles, right? Bruce Almighty. 877-337-6666 in the order that you called. Rafiq in Brooklyn, you're up on the fan. This is Rafiq. How, how you doing? Good. How are you? Doing fine. Just wanted to, once again, thank you for coming on my show. Nothing but that sports talk. You can catch on my YouTube and Instagram, the first of all. Yeah, you're welcome there, Rafiq. Second of all, how about my New York Knicks as we smoked the Pelicans? Oh, yeah. yeah it's nice to see that the New York Knicks are right, right back on track. That's right. It's Start painting the town blue and orange. Well, it's orange and blue skies, but whatever works for you. Um, but it's time to start thinking about the Knicks possibly surpassing the Brooklyn Nets, unfortunately, and the, the and Donovan Mitchell's Cleveland Cavaliers for the top four spot in the Eastern Conference. It's not out Dennis of reach. Jeez, Randall was knocking down shots. Josh Hart was getting involved in the offense, defensive end as usual. Mm-hmm. You got R.J. Barrett knocking down his three-pointers after a shaky start yesterday. You got Jalen Brunson showing you why he deserved that amount of money that he got last summer. Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall are finally playing together. That's, this is what New York Knicks basketball is all about. It's it's a team concept. They have all bought in, and, and, and Tom Thibodeau looks like a, a, a just a genius out there now. Exactly. He's pulling the you right know, strings. It's be very difficult to go later in the schedule because, well, next up they got the Boston Celtics, who's currently leading the, the 76ers by 89 to 83 with, like, under nine minutes to go. Well, so the Celtics are the best team in up. the East. That's for sure. Exactly. But we did beat them in overtime. Like, last month, we should have a problem getting at least one or two more wins against them. Just to show that we can compete with these Celtics. The way we were playing right now, they were getting back to the New York Knicks that had an AK game win back in December. Yeah. What do you think? Listen, I, I think I think the Knicks, like you said before, the Knicks are going to surpass the, the Brooklyn Nets soon, and I think I think I think the Knicks can end up with the four seed in the playoffs. I do. The surging Knicks yeah, and, and the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers don't all the way scare me either. If I'm the Knicks, honestly. Yeah, it's just a matter of the fact that I mean we we did win two games, but but it should have been we should have been four and zero against the Seventy Sixers. Let's be honest. If we didn't blow double-digit leads of the losses that we've had. Right. I, and I don't think that happens anymore now. I, you've got a closer, in, in, and thanks for the call there, Rafiq. Uh, you got a closer in Julius Randle. You trust him with the ball in his hands at all times, not just to shoot it. I mean, his court vision. I, I can't believe the court vision on Julius Randle. It's, it's on display all the time. He, he, found, he finds guys underneath the, the hoop and no-look pass tonight. I mean, really, it's really, really good. And they're playing together. And don't look now. But the Knicks are on a five-game win streak. Ahead of them, you got the Nets, the Cavaliers, the 76ers, the Bucks, and the Celtics. There's no reason why they can't knock off both the Nets and the Cavaliers. No reason. The Bucks, though, they're surging 13 in a row. The Bucks scare me. The Celtics scare me in the East. The West... Am I really scared by anybody? Not really. I mean, not not really. No, I'm just looking at these teams. No, none of them. So the Celtics scare me and the Bucks scare me. But if you're the Knicks and you and you 
lock up the four seed in the playoffs. If I told you that right now, you'd sign up for it. I know you would. Mike in Orangeburg, you're up on the fan. Hey, Coach, how's it going? Hey, what's going on, Mike? All right, I just got off the GWB. I'm the uh, guy who always comments on your Twitter about the GWB. Oh, there's uh, always tra- was there traffic now? It wasn't at too bad. All Maybe right. um, five, ten minutes slow up. But uh, right. anyway, um, so I, I've been a Jets fan since like 1977. I was around, uh, had season tickets back then when Favre was with them. So the idea of getting Aaron Rodgers is still kind of like, Shell shocked to me with what happened with Favre. I get it, but Brett Favre was—he got really hurt. I didn't realize that at the time. Of course, you know, no one did. Got... The Jets hit it at the time. They got fired yeah, for that. It, it, yeah, yeah. I, I heard you say that before, and I never knew that either. But uh, mm-hmm. so, and now hearing the the new stats on Derek Carr, like he can't win in cold weather. So, so what are they thinking? If mm-hmm. you know, does eight hit home games in New York, New Jersey area? One in New England, yep. one in Buffalo. And if you right? want to go to the playoffs, you have to go through Buffalo. You have to go through Kansas City. You have to go through Cincinnati in the cold. Right, and absolutely. And, and New England is New England. They, you know, they could come back to and be in it at any time. So, like, really, what are they thinking? You know, making this guy the possible number one, you know, guy right now. I, I, I don't like it. I don't agree with. It. I'll, I'll go I back know. to Aaron Rodgers. Yep, me too. And, and, and Mike, we did a whole show the other night on this. And, and, and by the way, the injury was a torn biceps tendon. Like, he, Brett Favre tore his biceps tendon, and the Jets didn't report it. They find the league, find the Jets $75,000, and they find Mangini, and they, fired, uh, and they find Tannenbaum $25,000 each. Wow. Because they concealed it. They hit it. And and you had yeah, Damian really, Woody at the time. Damian Woody now said at the time that Jets really believed they were going to the Super Bowl that year until it got they derailed. Were on fire without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, yep. I, I remember people in the parking lot taking their fog jerseys off and throwing it in you know in the in the parking lot on the ground, stomping on it. They were like everybody was so so upset. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. But uh, but that's what right, happened thanks there. Thanks for taking my call. Up. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call. I'm on my way into work now, so I got to go relieve somebody. So, you got to do what? I got. I'm on my way into work now. I start at eleven o'clock. Oh, what so do I you do? Relieve somebody. I'm an operating engineer in a high-rise uh, residential building in Queens. Oh, all right, nice. All right, we'll drive safely. Yeah, so. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> we'll talk again. I'll call again. All right, there, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Have a good night. So, Mike tunes into my Twitter updates on the traffic reports. I got to tell you, the other night I left here, Connor, did you see my tweets? Yeah, when I left here, what night was that? Thursday night. I forgot that the Holland Tunnel is closed. I forgot. Because on the weekends, it's it's not a big deal, right? So I go my normal way to the Lincoln Tunnel. I get faster. I get home faster in the Lincoln Tunnel. So I go my normal way, and it's at a standstill. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, the, the Holland Tunnel. So I chuck a left before I have to go in. There were people going over the median, turning around and coming out the end of the Lincoln Tunnel, right? So I'm like, I'm not doing that. My car won't make it over. Made a left, and then I made a right. And I'm like, oh, this is open. Great. Boom. Stopped dead because, oh, there's another approach to the Lincoln Tunnel a little bit. I don't know whatever street it was. It was it was actual gridlock. Like four or five light changes. Nobody moved. Trying to get out of New York City after midnight driving is absolutely brutal. Because once they shut down the Lincoln Tunnel, 
everyone then funnels back up yes. to, uh, or when they shut down the Holland Tunnel, everyone funnels to the Lincoln Tunnel, and then trying to get through there is just the worst. And then even sometimes, like years ago, they would just close the one lane, and even that would cause huge amounts of traffic getting out of the city past midnight. So it just gets brutal. So it closes at 12? That's what happens? Holland closes at 12 every night? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because Keith has the same problem every night doing that shift trying to get out of the city. And always has problems because he can't go through the Holland Tunnel. Or sometimes they won't fully close it, but they'll do the one lane. And he's stuck in backed up traffic all the way down the street. So yeah. it's always a disaster. Yeah, I don't I don't take the Holland. I usually take the Lincoln Tunnel. It's the fastest for me. But I, I, you know what? I think I'm just going to take the bridge from now on. That's it. Just get as cl- fast as possible over to the West Side Highway and just take the bridge home. That's it. Because that was brutal. And then you're so worked up. I couldn't fall asleep either. I didn't fall asleep till like 3.30 that night. I got home. It was like whatever time. Two and a half hours later, I fell asleep. You're all like wound up with road rage. Yes. It's awful. Yes. I'm the worst road rager. I really am. I'll admit it. But yeah, no, I just couldn't believe. Like New Jersey, tra- I was sitting there looking up at on the Helix and let the New Jersey transit buses like they're never going to make it where they're going. Those poor people. There's got to be a better way. Anyway, that's my traffic diatribe. <laughs> I'm Danielle McCartney, and we'll talk New York sports, of course. That's how this that's how this show goes. You know it. But I think we can all, um, what's that word, commiserate with New York City traffic. All right? Danielle McCartney with you till 1 here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartney, hanging with you till 1 a.m. And you know how in hockey they do, like, um, you know, stars of the game? Well, I would have liked to assign three stars of the game for the New York Knicks tonight. Number one, as the the Madison Square Garden, the fans in attendance start chanting, Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose, after every He enters the game in garbage time, and the fans went nuts. So he's my third star of the game for the Knicks, followed by the number two star of the game, R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett, 25 points tonight, 5 for 5 at the free throw line. Remember when we talked his rookie year about how he needs to improve behind the arc? He was like, I mean, behind the foul line, he was terrible. He couldn't make a free throw to save his, save his life. Now tonight, I'm so proud. He's, he was 5 for 5. Uh, three, 4 for 7 to 3 points. Rebound machine, 7 assists. Was that game high? Yeah, game-high assist, seven. I mean, so the second start of the game, R.J. Barrett, you hope you can get more consistency from him. It doesn't even need to be this good. It just needs to be more consistent. And, of course, the number one star of the game for the New York Knicks, Julius Randle. 50% from three-point range, including the first two of the first three baskets, I think, were, were impossible or difficult at least. Three-pointers from Julius Randle. I mean, he is playing even better than than that that one year where he where he uh, made the All-Star game, All-Star team. Even better than that year. R.J. RJ Barrett, Julius Randle together, and I love me some Mitchell Robinson. I was telling Pat before, he, I just love how he cleans up the glass, offensive, defensive. I mean, Mitchell Robinson. Ready for this? Mitchell Robinson had 13, 13 rebounds. 13. I love to see that. Is that a game high, too? Yeah, game high, 13. 
And the Knicks were just lights out tonight, just from the from the opening tip to the final buzzer. Oh, uh, like completely, completely in control of the game, dominated the game in front of all those legends. That's pretty cool. 128-106 final score, Knicks over the Pelicans. Um, Eddie Bear in Brooklyn. Is that your real name, Eddie Bear? Yeah, everybody knows me that way. All right, Eddie Bear, welcome to the show. Hey, I enjoy your show every weekend. Thank you. I want... I, yeah, thank you. I wanted to say that the new Knicks remind me of a guy named Muhammad Ali. Oh, tell me why. All right. Uh, Muhammad Ali used to let the other opponents uh, take take them to the house, take him to the house for the first couple of rounds before he would adjust. Hmm. And then he would just readjust and then take them to the house. And 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 obviously he would win, of course. And that's what the Knicks have been doing. Uh, last year, uh, the Knicks used to get into these like uh, stretches where they were ahead, like uh, twenty, nineteen, eighteen, seventeen points, and then they would be taken to the house. It yeah. seems to me to me that they've been doing that in the reverse now. They've been taking uh, the beating of sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen points, and then they readjust. And then they would take the opponent to the house, just like the other win, like the other night. And I just, I just adore what's happening with the Knicks right now. I think that they're uh, they have championship cal- uh, caliber, and they are going places, baby. Well, the problem is though, it, 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 they play in the East. You'd have to go through the Celtics and the Bucks to, to do that. Um, they can they can do that. I now. don't know. I don't know. As as well as they're playing, I don't I don't know. I don't think that the uh the the whole New England area is going to be uh top notch with the uh, with with the uh, Bruins. They got uh, they got uh, the Celtics. You know something? You know New York is is on the comeback, baby. Ever since the Blasio just left the office. All right. Well, Eddie, we don't get political on this show, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I love the Knicks' passion. I do. Yeah, thank you very much. I love you, kid. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. I appreciate that. And, yeah, everybody knows this is not a political show here. <laughs> Probably the uptick of New York sports has nothing to do with Bill de Blasio leaving office. But, hey, whatever. <laughs> whatever. That, I mean, that's just my guess. But I think what's going on with the Knicks, and I might be wrong, but. When, uh, what's-his-name came in, the coach, Tom Thibodeau. He came in, reputation, you know, like, the guys are playing hard, whatever, whatever. There were guys on that team last year that didn't see a lot of time. Like the Kevin Knoxes of the world, right? Uh, You know what I mean? These guys that, that would get, like, no minutes. No minutes, even in playoff games. The roster has been, in my opinion, rebuilt in a way that that Tom Thibodeau actually trusts the guys on the floor. Like, even in, like, the second rotations. You know, the Josh Hart was excellent. You know what I mean? I, I think now he's got he's got a – it's a deeper bench. And what, what I mean by that, too, is he's not afraid to go to these guys on the bench overall. And that alleviates a lot of the pressure from the guys that, that see a lot of minutes. You know, like uh, like a – I don't know, like a Randall, like a Brunson, Barrett – you got Quentin Grimes coming up. I mean, this year he, he's averaging 30 minutes a game, Quentin Grimes. Last year? Let me look. I, I bet you it's nowhere near there. 
Quentin Grimes, 17. I mean, he's almost doubled his, his, his minutes per game. So I, Quentin Grimes is a perfect example of, of the point I'm trying to make. These guys are seeing more time. The, 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 the bench is deeper, and there's not as much pressure on the five, quote-unquote, starters, the first rotation of guys, so that they can hand it off and the lead won't be so diminished, in other words, that it has been in the past. And that goes hand-in-hand hand with Tom Thibodeau's non-reluctance to go to those guys off the bench. So the Knicks are in a good spot. It's it's an exciting time for Knicks fans. However, I don't think – I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I would love to be wrong. But championship caliber, I think, might be stretching it just a little bit because you look at what's going on in that division. I mean, the Bucks are on a 13-game winning streak. That's 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 a lot to overcome. Bucks and Celtics. I think that's going to be the Eastern final. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully the Knicks are in the mix. Hey, I just rhymed there. I don't think the Nets are going to be, though. I think the Nets are slowly, slowly falling. Nets, I think the Nets are going to be lucky to get a play-in game. They'll be lucky. 877-337-6666. Douglas in the Bronx. You're up on the fan in Manhattan. Hey, Danielle. Hi. Hey. Hi. Um, hey. Uh in my last call to you on Thursday, I, I made a Freudian slip about wow. Derek Carr. Yeah, I what I meant to say was that any of the four NFC South clubs would be a, a better fit for him. I initially said you NFC said West, West Although, but that's okay too. The West is weak too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought I, I was thinking oh, maybe maybe there's some truth to that because the 49ers uh, is certainly not settled. Uh, yep. Purdy or Lance, I don't know, and. Seattle, Arizona, the Rams, they're not a hun- technically not 100% married to their starting quarterback. Right. And, um, you know, Pete Carroll and their coaching staff, they seem to be quarterback whisperers. They seem to unlock great play. <laughs> Although, Seattle, that's a northern city. I, I heard it gets cold up there, so maybe not <laughs> Maybe not so, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, right. so, so right. point well taken. NFC West, NFC, NFC South, I mean – same thing, I think, right? But South more so, yeah. yeah. Panthers, Saints, Falcons, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, in the West, you don't have to move that far. So, yeah. Right, um, that's right. Uh, yeah. Same so time zone. I watched, yeah. I watched a little of Met spring training earlier tonight. Mm-hmm. And the announcer, Gary Cohen, he made a, he uttered a great line. He was saying, all these rule changes, they're not in place to limit baseball. They're in place to limit Non-baseball. I love that line. Yeah, that was good. Cool. Yeah, all yeah. the extra, you know, the fixing of the batting gloves, the the shaking of the signs, the the brimming, you know, wiping the head with the cap if you're the pitcher. Yeah, I, yes, that that's completely true. Great line. Yeah, good catch. Just just thinking uh, in the recent past, no more Garcia Parra, Derek Jeter couldn't do their uh, in at plate uh, uh, routine. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, Derek Jeter days. with the hand up, and no, mm-hmm. I don't think so. No. Yeah. I do have one pet peeve. This is personal with the pitch clock. You ready for this? Tell me. I want to see it on screen. I, I was, me too. I tune in the Met game. I'm thinking, wait, wait, wait. I know there's a clock. Where is it? Yes. Where is it? Um, I think it because they had um, on MLB Network, they aired Mariners Padres yesterday. Yep. Uh, Machado was up and he, he got called. He got called with the late with the uh, at, at the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, but the clock, the mechanical clock was visible uh, on the screen. So, but it just so happened that way. They designed it oh, in the inside, inside the stadium. They had the clock yeah. on the screen. Okay. I see. Yes. Yeah. I like yeah. That. But, but most other stadiums, well, right now in spring training, yeah. it's 
to the side, so we we can't see. Maybe the network they'll superimpose a graphic. Maybe on the back. I hope. I, I would hope. like to see the clock too. I was wondering the same thing. I was like, well, where is it? But they only show where it. Where is it? They only showed it yeah. on the Met game when it reached like seven seconds or whatever. I don't want to see that. I want to see no, it count I'm down with, and watch. Yeah, I, you know, I'm with you. Right, yeah. right. Maybe I think maybe they'll be adjusted once we get to actual baseball that we'll, we'll actually see a clock. I hope. I hope, I hope right, so right. too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, I want to accentuate the positive, as always, because, of course, I feel dread. I'm a Yankee fan. I feel dread of what we got in left field and on the left side of our infield. Uh-huh. Okay. But yep. I want to I inject a sliver of hope. Okay. Okay. Obviously. Let's see. Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks is out of sorts last year. Obviously. Obviously. On the field, at the plate, it got so bad, even the Yankee Stadium fans were chanting Joey Gallo's name. <laughs> I remember. I remember that. Towards him. Yep. All right. Here's my sliver of hope. Now that there's no shift, that when he bats lefty, that he might improve his hitting. Although it won't help if he strikes out. I mean, that then it's <laughs> for naught. But yeah, but I, 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 I got to think that him batting lefty, and maybe he will bat more lefty nowadays, be with with no shift. That perhaps he'll perform better, and that might help his confidence. I can only hope, but uh, it, it may be... Now you're uh, really grasping here. I'm, I'm, I'm grasping, yes. But that's <laughs> what I can do. It's all I can do. <laughs> barring barring a big deal here. But, yeah, it's all I can do right now because, yeah, I mean, it's it's slim pickings uh, for, uh, you know, standing pat, standing pat with those spots. Yeah, that that's that's why I feel the dread. But, I mean, again, I'm, you, I'm trying. I know, Douglas. And, and standing pat at the, at the over the winter, and it's like, with, the, with how bad the production of those positions was it's like how could they not have addressed that how could brian cashman have rolled out the same team as was there last year i mean tell me tell me the upgrades rodon okay he's injured a lot but i I, it's gonna be it's gonna be bad on opening day when they introduce those three guys uh like you pointed to on the left side of the field in the outfield in the infield it's gonna be bad it's going to be met with tons and tons of booze, I'm telling you. 877-337-6666. Quick break, a Pat Boyle update. I'm back with you at the top of the 11 p.m. hour. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. I had told Pat to stay in here because he walks in to do the update, and he's like, hey, uh, if you want to see the end of the, the Celtics 76ers game, uh, it's on Channel 7. I was like, oh, yeah, because once the Knicks game ended, I was watching, like, classics or whatever, whatever MSG had on. And uh, we just we were just talking about the teams in the East, the teams to beat in the East for the Knicks. And you look at the standings, and I said the Celtics are too good, the Bucks are too good, 76ers beatable, I think. But the way this game ended had us literally yelling at the TV here in the studio. Pat, take them through it. Yeah, I mean that was that was one hell of a game. Number one versus number three in the East, potential. Eastern Conference semifinals and maybe even Eastern Conference finals preview. And, yeah. oh, man. I mean, it, you know, Bo- Philly got up big early. Then Boston came back, went on like a 22-5 to run. They were up by 10 with only like seven minutes left. Then the Sixers go on a huge run back, get within one. They tie the game. Tatum, who had a, a pretty bad game. I was following most of it. He only had 18 points, which, you know, by his stretch, that's a rough yeah. night. He hits the three with a second left, and then, I mean, I didn't even see who shot that last shot, but... It was Embiid. It was Embiid yes. from about so, 75 feet. Right. Swishes it. Yes. But got it off too, too late. Too late. We, so we're in the studio here. We watched Tatum take the inbound pass, you know, crossover dribble behind the back, boom, from the from the, the, the long three-pointer. 
or like Pat, you, Pat even said game. And then it was like one point something seconds left, and the the Seventy Sixers inbounded it to to Embiid, who uh, to the to the listener, it was the op- opposite side of the court between like the foul line and the three point line on the opposite side of the court. He just unloaded one and he swished it across the entire court. Initially, I thought they won the game. Yeah, you and I were going nuts. We were like, right, what? right as right as Connor's hitting the uh, the ID, I'm like, I gotta get ready for this update, and then we just saw that happen. And unfortunately, and they reviewed it quickly, and it was, and Embiid knew it right away. He knew he let it go too too late right away. But wow, what an exciting finish! Yeah, and the Knicks get the Celtics on Monday. But yeah, I mean, you you look at the uh, the level of those two teams, yes. and as big of a Nick fan as I am, and as exciting as they've been, they've won five in a row. Now, eight games above 500. I mean, you know, if they were able to continue this way and they avoid the playing tournament, you know, I mean, if they get, like, at the best, they're getting a five seed, which is the best matchup. Maybe they play Cleveland in the first round, and maybe they can shut down Donovan Mitchell, and Leon Rose looks like a genius for trading for, for uh, nailing Brunson instead of trading and signing trading Mitchell. But, I mean, they're inevitably, if they win a first-round playoff tournament, they're going to get either the Celtics, 76ers, or Bucks in the second so, round. And then buzz, good so, luck. Yeah, good luck. I mean, those three teams are just a clear cut above everybody else. Yeah, and not even just in the East, but but in the entire league. Yeah, yeah, because in the the West is wide open. Yeah, and now you yep. feel like the Suns obviously have a chance to to make a run to the title since they got Durant. Right. Nuggets have been the best team, but I mean, we've seen in the playoffs they just teams teams take advantage of Jokic as great as he is, and he he has a chance to win a third straight MVP. He's a triple double machine. Everything yep. he does offensively is is poetry. I mean, he got taken advantage of on the defensive side last year in the playoffs, so the West is wide open. But, yeah, the East, its I feel like Bucks. whoever comes out of the East is going to win the title. Definitely. Unless Durant right. does what he did when he got with Golden State. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree with you. And I, and I think the Dallas Mavericks are not a threat at all whatsoever with Kyrie Irving. Forget it. No, no, because, I mean, they it was basically just Luka and a little bit of Jalen Brunson last year when he yeah. was with the Mavs. But they don't. They don't have enough. They don't have enough shooters, and Kyrie is now one of them. And it'll be interesting to see if he just kind of accepts more of a, a shooter role, right. let Luca run everything, and then pass it off to him, and see if they can get like five, six threes a game out of Kyrie in the postseason. Because that's probably where they're going to be their most dangerous. Yep. But it's uh, yeah, it's 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 funny now that we're a couple weeks removed from this whole Nets debacle, and you got Still Durant Durant it. once again joining a team that went to the NBA Finals two years ago, and even though they got off to a slow start, their 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 roster is a championship caliber roster now, and Kyrie goes to Dallas to you know play in the shadow of Luka Doncic, where they're probably yeah. getting bounced in the second round. Imagine they play each other. That would be phenomenal. Phoenix is a four right now, and Dallas is a six right now. Imagine Hope, if it hopefully, works we out. get a first round matchup. I would love that. I would love watching that. <laughs> All right, well, Pat, that was exciting. Thanks for telling me about the uh, about turning that game on. Or else I would have just been sitting here watching Knicks Classics, I think, is what was on. <laughs> Knicks Classics are good, don't get they me are. wrong. They're but good. yeah, that good that, that game lived up to the hype. Yeah, you know, for right. anybody that says, Oh, don't even bother watching the uh the NBA in the regular season, that game tonight proved uh, proved otherwise. We got a couple of great games tomorrow as well, so I'll be locked in all, yeah, and all we've afternoon. Got no rooting interest in this game and we were like screaming in here, like, Oh my god, cool. Yeah, because, you know, again, and we were talking about it too, you know, the final two minutes of an NBA game can be brutal brutal at times. The reviews, I mean, it's tough, you know, when when teams have timeouts, they're going to use them, right? Because there's there's no better way, you know, drawing up a play 
It's not like college where you can't advance the ball. You advance the ball every time, so draw up a play, and they're, they execute so well offensively, you have to. But, yeah, the reviews, they've got to cut them down. Like, if you can't find something to overturn a, a, who touched who touched the ball last yeah. or a foul was somebody there a, challenges it. a fingernail it, that touched it and changed if the direction you, if you can't If you can't get indisputable evidence in, like, 90 seconds, just, just stick with the call. Yeah, or have it come from, like, what the XFL does. Have it come from, like, a, a, a command center somewhere where they put the headset on and then they say, okay— New York, what happened? And then they say, oh, you know, Nick's ball. Which they, they do that a lot in Secaucus, where the uh, the NBA command center is, but still. They should do that, though. They should be really, like, on it the last two minutes of every game or something like that. Yeah. Where every call gets reviewed centrally. Maybe that would speed it up. Yeah. We got NBA season heating up. We got March Madness right around the corner. Yep. Spring training kicking off. Oh, yeah. It's a there good really time. is. People people will say February is like a dead time now in Sports Talk Radio. There's there's no dead time. Never. Not around here. We got too much to talk about around here. Exactly. (laughs) All right, Pat. We'll see you in uh, 45 minutes or so. Thank you very much. You got it. (laughs) Um, And with that, I think it's safe to say we can go right to the calls. 877-337-6666. I don't like doing that, but we had enough there for you to to choose from. Get aboard. Connor Green is taking your calls. Let's go to... uh, Let's go to... Emmy in Connecticut. Emmy, you're up on the fan. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for taking my phone call. Oh, thanks for making it. We love listening to you, and we're really we're really excited about how the Mets played last year. We're really excited for all the things that Steve Cohen is investing in the team this year. Yep. And I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on the new Japanese pitcher? Do you think he's worth being excited about? Yes. I. You know what, Emmy? I was on the radio the night that the Mets, like, first of all, in, in my open that night, I was like, the Mets should really go and get him, The blah, blah, blah. And two hours later, I'm reporting, oh, my God, the Mets got Kodai Senga. He is completely worth it. He, you'll see. I mean, it's probably going to take a little bit of an adjustment to the American game and all that, but especially with all these new rule changes. But once he settles in, he is going to be, I almost, last night I was looking at some odds. I, I almost, because he's technically a rookie, I almost put money on him to win Rookie of the Year, actually. Wow. Yep. Do you think that he's old? Well, they just go by, I guess, first year in the league. So, I mean, it doesn't matter, really. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm super excited for him. I can't wait to see him play. Yeah, I mean, he. Thank, I mean, thanks for the call there. He's going to be – he is one of the most underrated, really good moves that Steve Cohen did this year. I mean, think about it. Jacob deGrom leaves, doesn't choose the Mets. The Mets rebuilt their starting rotation within seven days. Within seven days, they had Verlander in here. They had Kodai Senga in here and others. I mean, it was like Jacob DeGrom who? You know? So, uh, yes, I I am very excited to see Kodai Senga. I think he's got the right mentality to play here in New York. You know, some of the things he was saying, I I just like it. I I think he's going to be great. And that might be a good bet to make. Senga, uh... He, he's going to be a 30-year-old Rookie of the Year. You never know. Let's go to Kevin and Camden. What's up there, Kevin? What's up, Coach? How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I, I'm, 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 last call, not, not the last caller, but the caller before the break. Yeah. Can we fire it up? Hicks having a bounce-back season? Please. The chance the <laughs> Hicks having a back, has a bounce-back season is a chance that Wilson's going to have to be the franchise quarterback for the Jets. Yeah, I, he was just trying to look at the silver lining that maybe uh, the there, banning of the shift would help. Maybe there, there is there is no silver lining with Hicks. He's <laughs> done. He's washed. And that, that leads me to a quick Yankee point. 
one thing I forgot to bring up last week when we talked. Uh, last week when we talked, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention the Jordan Montgomery trade. I, I you know, I, I get you know Bader performed well in the playoffs. He performed great down the stretch, mm-hmm. but Yankees have no depth, as I said before. And jo- I'm sorry, Jordan Montgomery. He's a good pitcher. I I, I hate it actually. I Bader's a good. He's a New York kid. I got no problem with. Him. Yeah, giving up Montgomery for him. I know. I I didn't like no, the, I didn't I, like the I, trade I, I at the beginning, him. Kevin. And the main reason why is because Bader. There was no guarantee Bader was going to see the field for the Yankees last season, and he yep. healed up, you know, right away. And look, he's going to be the starting center fielder for the Yankees. I mean, he, he oh, it's a good move. It, it, you know, looking back, you know, at the time it was like, oh my god, what are they doing? But. Montgomery didn't have the best couple games that he pitched in. He started off like like a bat at L with it with yep. his new team, but he he I think he pitched like a six ERA in the final month or two of the season. Not yep. great. And I see where you're going with the Yankees not having depth. Frankie Montas. I mean, you know I didn't want him to begin with, and, and, and now look where the I Yankees are. Come on, and you, and you know I didn't either. Yeah. But I want to talk about the Jets. I, I know there's a lot of fans saying they they didn't want Aaron Rodgers, but listen. I want to win, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I'm not worried about the long term future. Listen, it's about winning in this city. This is a city of winners. As the Jets have not won in 50 freaking years, <laughs> I want to see a win, okay? My uncle, I texted my uncle, do you want Aaron Rodgers? I mean, one, one word answer he wrote, yes. Yes. I don't want to hear anybody say that they don't, because if they don't, they obviously just don't want to see the Jets win. Getting this man, he needs to come in. You you pack his bags. You you give him you you give him a locker room. Whatever you guys do, you give him, you to, give him a bunker out in Sussex County, New Jersey. Yes. Heck yes, and I don't buy football jerseys, but I will buy that man's jersey the day he the day he signs. I will sign that man. I will buy that man's jersey, and I will wear it with pride. You know what though, Kevin? I don't think I would. I don't think I would buy it because it would only be like for two years. It doesn't matter. Hey, if he wins a Super Bowl, yeah, it would matter. Uh, it ain't gonna matter to me. You got a, winning a championship is all that matters to me. Yeah. I don't care if he's here for two years, one year. <laughs> get me, a, get me a win. I want to stay with the Giants. I want to see, I want to see every New York team do well. But it's not Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. The answer I don't want to hear about Derek Carr. I just, I don't want to hear about that. Well, Derek Aaron Carr who can't win answer. in the cold. Yep. Hey, no, no. Aaron Rodgers is the answer because you got uh, Garrett Wilson. You got all those receivers. You got everything lined up. Brees Hall. The one, thing, the one thing you need is a quarterback, and that's the one thing that the Giants that the Giants do have. But they have a lot of other holes to fill. But the Jets just need a quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers is the guy. So for any Jets fans that don't want him, you guys are wrong because you he is the best available, and you guys need him, and we have to we we have to win. We have to win. That's well, he, he's he's he, listen. The Jets are the Jets are a quarterback away. Let's be honest. The Jets yep. are all quarterback away from from really doing some damage in in a playoff scenario. And if it's if it's Aaron Rodgers, then then let's do it. Giddy up. Because I I don't I don't want to see even as a backup. What's Wilson going to learn? I mean, the guy. Th- there's a certain point with certain athletes, and RJ Barry is an example I'm going to use. I think you once you hit a certain point, you're not going to go up. You're going to be stuck at that level. And RJ, no offense to RJ, he's a good player, good player, but he's not going to get. He's not going to go to that next level. Well, 
Kevin, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe R.J. Barrett, maybe you're right about him. But Zach Wilson, I, I'm not ready to pull the plug on him yet, so to speak, because I think if you get the first of all, his offensive coordinator did not catch any mechanical issues that 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 developed. OK, that's he hasn't right. been coached up in the right way. So if you get someone in there, a nice veteran where he doesn't feel threatened by Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson is there to learn from whoever it is. I'm, I, he's still talented. Believe me, I didn't want him coming out of the draft, but he still has talent. And and I always say you never give up on talent. I'm not ready to give up just yet on Wilson. Not yet. Uh, well, I mean, because like I, I, just, I just think it's, I, I think it's amateur, I, and I thought the same thing with with uh, uh, Carson Wentz, but the, the maturity just is not there, and that's a big. It just uh, the maturity has always been a big flag for me. Yeah, I just I, that's just that's just the one thing. No, you're right. The talent, the, the talent is there, but just the, the maturity for him. Well, that's just, that's the one thing that kills me, though. Right, Wilson. Right, and Kevin, thanks and for that, your call. That's, that. a big, that's a big deterrent. Right, uh, Connor's giving me the break sign, Kevin. But thank you for right. that, and thanks for those Love thoughts. You, and th- there's a, there's a reason why Zach Wilson was not named captain, elected captain by his teammates at BYU. I Kevin hit the nail on the head. There was a reason for that. There was a reason why the coach created this leadership council and everybody gets a C on their chests and even you, Zach Wilson. There was a reason for that. Leadership was a major concern of mine coming out of that draft and before it even happened. So, but I'm not ready to give up just yet. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan with you here till one. <laughs> Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. I have to share this with you because Connor and I were just talking about this. The Pro Football Hall of Fame tweeted out a photo, and I never answer these. I just, I, I was getting off the elliptical, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to answer this. Nine hours ago, they said, what is the first name that comes to mind when you see this Broncos logo? And it's the, Bron- the, the one that we're used to seeing nowadays. And I wrote Terrell Davis. He's the first one I think of when I see that logo. There has been some guy arguing with me on Twitter for nine hours about, no, the correct answer there is John Elway. Didn't you forget about John Elway? No, I didn't forget about John Elway. There's not a right answer to this question. I think of Terrell Davis. You think of John Elway. And I even respond to this. I even actually think of John Elway with, like, the old school logo with, you know, the D on the helmet with the horse inside the D, the Bronco inside the D. So... I don't understand how someone could be so worked up about that for nine hours now, arguing me, arguing with me over who I saw, who I think of when I see that logo. And you know what? Maybe that's a better thing than I just stay away from those questions because I, I never bite on them, and I bit, and it was not good. <laughs> it's just amazing to me how worked up people get. Uh, and, and and another thing, I, I just was telling Connor on the break, I was hoping for some some Patrick Kane news, and. I mean, it was trending all day on Twitter, the, the freeze, Patrick Kane, the name Patrick Kane. And um, as the rumors continue to swirl, uh, you know, we know this much is true. 3 p.m. today, Saturday, it was confirmed that Kane is no longer physically with the Blackhawks, that he flew back to Chicago. And some jokes on Twitter, oh, he's with Aaron Rodgers in the, in the hole. Yeah, they're thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. Also that we do know. Patrick Kane has a no-trade clause that he will lift to move to the Rangers. And how do we know that? Well, because after the Rangers traded for Tarasenko on February 10th, he, Kane, was publicly pissed off and 
Because he was obviously thinking that the door was closed on him landing here in New York. And he said, this is a quote, It's not like the happiest I've been to hear about a trade. I think the Rangers are a team that you definitely pay attention to and are definitely intrigued by, for obvious reasons. If things were going to happen, that was a team I was definitely looking at. See, was, past tense. And he continued to finally say, It seems like they kind of filled their void and went ahead and made a deal, so it is what it is. Well, the New York Rangers played an uninspiring Okay, brutally bad game today against the Capitals. They dropped their fourth game in a row, and they have been outscored 17-7 to in that skid. And I know the players, when they're interviewed, they say, oh, no, we're not phased by the whole thing. But you know what? Me, I personally, I don't believe it. Because look at their play. I mean, that's the greatest indicator of it all. I mean, for example, Igor Shesterkin. Today... He was pulled for allowing five goals within two periods. He is in, Shesterkin is in the middle, the middle, smack dab of a career worst goals allowed skid. You know what that means? He has allowed at least four goals and four straight starts. I mean, that is ugly. So while the players say they aren't phased by it, I think Gerard Gallant and what he has been saying after games is very deliberate. I I completely and totally think that he's putting pressure on that Rangers front office to get a deal done. I mean, it's something that this team clearly needs just to be done. Either he's coming or he's not. More likely than not, he's coming. Because Gallant on Friday, he was asked if the trade deadline's weighing on his team. He said, it always does. I can't say no. This time of year, it's tough on some players. It's going to be over in a week's time, but you just got to focus on playing the games. I mean, who says that? What kind of coach says that? And then that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I appreciate the honesty. And Gallant, he doubled down on Saturday today after being smoked in D.C. And he said, quote, it sure looked like something was going on. We didn't play the game we needed to play. So I think with these kind of quotes, Gerard Gallant is putting some pressure on the Rangers front office to get it done sooner rather than later because clearly it's affecting the team. They've lost four in a row. They play again tomorrow. Tomorrow at five. LA Kings. I'm on at six tomorrow. I want to be reporting that Patrick Kane is on his way to New York tomorrow. I want to be talking about that tomorrow on The Fan. Because if not, I'm afraid the Rangers are going to drop another one. Five in a row. With all this news weighing on them. So, 877-337-6666. In the order that you call Robert in Manhattan, you're up now on The Fan. Hi, Danielle. First of all, I know this is a couple of months late. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy everything. Yeah, and guess who the Rangers are losing to a week from today? The (laughs) Boston Bruins. And this is the year of the Bruin. As um, uh, several hockey analysts have said, this is the best team the NHL has seen in 20 years. I've heard that, too, unfortunately. They are a steamroller. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you something. By the way, I have a message for the Jets fan who called you. Get, Get used to this, my friend. 
The Buffalo Bills are going to dominate the AFC for the next 10 years. Oh. Dominate. Get rid of Brady. Welcome in, Allen. Rinse, yeah. repeat. Get it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah, okay. Now, <laughs> as I said, there are two teams that are going to get championships, and they're both from the same city. And I'm talking about Boston. The good times ahead, before Memorial Day, I think the Celtics are going to win a hard-fought Eastern championship with the Bucks in seven, hopefully, because I love seven-game series. Me too, yeah. And then they're going to beat whoever comes out of the West. As far as the NHL is concerned, the Bruins are on point to get almost 150 points. Yeah, it's amazing. They are a machine. They are a machine. They, it, it is like it doesn't matter the four lines they put out. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and I hate to say this. You know, good luck for Boston. Their baseball team, <laughs> and the, the, the um, Patriots, well, you know, so they need a good luck. So I just want to. What about say, us, though, Robert? We need some good luck around here. Well, let me let, let me let me ask you a question. You mentioned Patrick Kane. Yeah. You really think that one player, even of his stellar quality, can turn a team around? Yeah, I do. Three Stanley Cups. I mean, a guy of that pedigree. Yeah, I, I do think so. Yes. All right. Well, listen. It's nice to hear you on a Saturday night. Things are get, things are getting a little boring. There weren't any interesting movies to watch. <laughs> so, but I'm listening to you. You're on till one, and you're on tomorrow night from what time to what time? Uh, Six p.m. to ten p.m. tomorrow. And you know, you realize, by the way, there's no more football. I, you know, I, I, I got used to the fact the Super Bowl is over, but the Sundays are kind of boring. There's no football. <laughs> Robert. So let's so let's so let's let's hope. And I love listening to you. I love your dynamic spirit. So keep up the good work. We need we need good, good, good sports announcers. Thanks, Robert. And you know what, though, I gotta I gotta take you to task on one thing. You told me there was nothing on TV, and that's why you tuned in. Thanks for making me the last resort, man. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> you know what I mean. I mean, I, it, I, you know, I was I was uh, searching around for you know kind of interested. See, I'm a, I'm a fanatical western fan, movie western. Okay. Although there is one movie, but it's so long. It's like four and a half hours. Too long. Yeah, too long. That's like watching a Boston Red Sox-Yankee New York Yankee game. Oh, we don't want that. By the way, what have you talked about what you think of the new baseball rules? Yet? Yes, and I love every single one of them. All of them. <laughs> well, listen, you keep up the good work, and I really mean this. I love listening to you. Thank you. Uh, you know, you know, you, you, you know, the spirit, you know. We, listen, if we could bottle you, Danielle, Danielle, you could keep a lot of cold people in the winter warm. Well, thanks for that, Robert. We'll talk tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Connor, is that a compliment? I I think so. Okay. Yeah, I All think right. so. Okay. Harmless, right? Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Can we do one more before we break here? Yeah, we can. Okay. All right. In the order that you call, of course, Dennis in South Jersey. You're up next. Hi. How you doing? Tonight? Good. How are yeah. you? Listen, I'm just going to touch base on what that last caller said. Um, I don't think the Bills will be as dominant in the AFC East as the New England Patriots were for almost 20 years. The Jets have showed that they could hang with Buffalo than they ever did with New England, okay? Because we probably could have beat them a second time if we had better quarterback play. Well, I was so, there at MetLife. I mean, that was exciting. That okay. was like a Super Bowl, right. it sounded like there. Exactly. So, I look, the dominance that New England put on the Jets and the rest of the division, Buffalo's not going to have that kind of dominance. Well, we'll now, see. To talk about to talk about the Jets a little bit here. I, that other caller was talking about the Aaron Rodgers thing. And I, look, don't get me. I don't think he's coming, okay? I really don't. 
I think it's just a game he's playing. And if he does, if they do decide to trade him, because he's only going to get traded in the AFC, mm-hmm. I think the Raiders are going to get him. They got better draft choice assets to give him. And I think he wants to reunite with his old receiver. Yep. And I think that's where he goes. I actually do. And you know what? I'm not mad. I know the other guy was freaking out. But yeah, I'll but the, right now, the Raiders' defense that, sucks, though. The Raiders' defense is I, horrible. So does he really want to be in a situation where he's in a shootout but, every single week? But but who knows with this guy? You don't know. I, I mean, know. you don't. I don't know what he's thinking. He's all over the place. Yeah, he so is the I, right I answer, know. though. He is the cheat code. Look, he is. But at the end of the day, I think this is going to be answered by. I think a week from this Monday. The Jets are going to be pretty close to knowing who their next quarterback's going to be. Oh, well. Okay, and, and, and it, I do because Carr has already made a decision that he wants to have a decision where he's going before free agency. He said that. Yeah. He said, "I want to make a decision before free agency. Free agency starts two weeks from now. Yeah. So by then, he's going to make a decision. So we're going to have a little more gauge on what the situation is looking like. Yeah. I got to believe within the next week." We're going to know a little more where Aaron's going. Okay? I, so. I think I do. And I, I do, but I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. If we got Carr, I have no problem with it. And I do agree you don't give up on talent with Zach Wilson. And I think he would be fine behind Carr. I think he would be fine behind him. I agree. I have no problem with that. Yep. And, and, and I also don't like giving the assets up because – the Jets aren't one player away from being great. Uh-huh. They still need offensive line help. Uh-huh. They still could use some more de- defensive help. So, you know, I'm just saying, I'm, I wouldn't be upset with Carr. That's all I'm saying. The only hang-up I have on Carr is that he cannot win in the cold, and we talked about it for five hours on Thursday night. It, it's 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 bad. I mean, it's the oh. not just not win. It's just bad. Play in the cold. Uh, well, Okay, but look, we're not guaranteed Aaron Rodgers either. I'm telling you. Well, that's the thing. I don't. I, yeah, Dennis, you don't I'm, want the I'm, Jets to be left without in this game of musical yeah. chairs. It's to, yeah. it would be so Jets to be left standing and and having to Ryan, settle. But, yeah, with Ryan. Yeah, I'll tell you, I don't want to be left standing with Ryan Tannehill. I don't want to okay? get left standing with Baker Mayfield. Okay, so I agree with you there, and that's why I have to believe within by not this Monday, the following Monday. We're going to have a better gauge. Yeah, That's I hope so. Feeling. Yeah, and, and Dennis, I yeah. hope I hope you're right on that. And I hope by next, maybe tomorrow, but by next weekend for sure, we'll, we could be talking about Aaron Rodgers making a, making a decision. Hopefully, right? And and you know we can we can continue with this hockey talk. I love that. Uh, we can continue with the rules changes in baseball. And um, I did want to just to weigh in now that we're talking a little bit of football, just to weigh in on this Saquon Barkley thing. And um, you know, if a return to the Giants is likely and for me, it's under one condition and one condition only, and and it's actually not the way. I love Joe Shane, but it's not the way that he's going about doing it. So 877-337-6666, Aaron Rodgers, now Saquon Barkley, um, Patrick Kane potentially coming to the Rangers. And if you want to talk about the left side of and complain about the left side of the Yankee fielding, whether it be the outfield or the infield or both, you know, I'm your girl, 877-337-6666. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan with you, hanging with you till 1 a.m. And Lisa, we talked a bunch of different topics tonight. My favorite shows are the ones where we talk about almost every single team in, in our New York area. Those are my favorite shows. And you know what? Let's let's inject some Giants into this conversation, and we'll keep it rolling at 877-337-6666. Whatever is on your mind. Uh, Joe Shane told reporters at the Senior Bowl that the Giants 
and Saquon Barkley's team of reps already spoke about the possibility of a new deal. Now, you know Saquon Barkley does not want to leave the Giants, but can and will and should the team afford to keep him? I say, Daniel McCartan, me, I say only if it's under the franchise tag. Because you look at, all right, you think back to some of the things being said. In the locker room after the Giants lost to the Eagles, Barkley said, quote, I can't envision this being my last time in a Giant uniform, but all of that is out of my control, end quote. Okay, so there is no doubt to me that Saquon Barkley is a great teammate. He probably has the best-selling jersey among all current Giants players. If I, ha- if I had to make a guess, that's who I would say. And in my personal experience with him, he is such a nice guy. But, like, how much is all that worth in dollars? And he got the season-end press conference. Joe Shane said, quote, We'd like to have all the guys back. I really would. But there's a business side to it. There's rules that you need to operate under in terms of the salary cap. Saquon, he's a good player. He's a great teammate. I love getting to know him this season. He's a guy we would like to have back. As far as positional value, we'll get into how we want to build this team and allocate our resources. To me, that's kind of lukewarm. And that's the thing. Saquon Barkley is a running back, which in today's NFL, there isn't a lot of emphasis placed on that position. Barkley said, I'm realistic. I know what I was on pace to do, but having two years filled up with injuries and having a season not performing to the level I know I can perform doesn't help. But I think I was able to show the type of caliber player I am, the things I'm able to do on a football field. Okay. I did not count the last week of this past season where he and so many others were inactive in this calculation that I did. It wouldn't be fair. So of the the remaining 86 eligible games other than that one, Barkley played in 61 of them, which is 71%. What's that worth long-term? I mean, look at the Jets. They drafted Brees Hall, and he had an immediate impact on them. I mean, rookie of the week twice before he got hurt, and he was the, the, it was weeks four and six. He was AFC rookie of the week, and he was out for the season in week seven. So he was on the uptick, right? So if you're the Giants, why are you breaking the bank for a running back who's about to turn 26 years old, or maybe, I don't even know, when's his birthday? I don't even know. It could be 26 already. But when you draft a a 20-year-old kid in this year's draft, and and you could pay him the league minimum, especially on a team with major cap concerns, you know, that's another way to think about going about this. But if the Giants are dead set and hell-bent on keeping Saquon Barkley, to me, you have to do it with the franchise tag. It's going to save you money, and you don't have a lot of money to give out. 877-337-6666. Andrew and Karlstadt, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you tonight? Good, good. good to how hear are you? you. Good to hear you. Thank you. Well, uh, two things. One, um, with Saquon, yeah, you have to put him in the franchise tag. That's the only to. way you're going to pay him. Yep. And I, don't, I think he has to realize, you know, um, you know, the running backs, the game has changed, like you said, and the running backs, just the durability and everything, I can't see wasting. Yep. But on the flip side, I think the other thing, too, is with Daniel Jones. I can't see paying him more than $35 million because that's the max. I mean, if he, I know he got a new agent, but if he thinks he's, you know, I know word got out, your league, you know, somewhere between 40 to 45 I think that was fake news, million, He's not there. I think that was I'm disproved. Sorry? I think that was disproved. I think that right. was fake news. But, Right, I hope so. Yeah, because if that's the case, then I'm, uh, you know, and, they, and the Giants have to, do, you know, to keep them there. 
I'd be like, listen, if we sign you for that contract, I want to see the NFC East championship right. in the Meadowlands next year or right. the years after. Well, but you know again, what? But, but back. Yeah, but well, let me just weigh in on this. So I, so I did a little comp of like uh, 2022 regular season passing passer rating and how right. what those guys make. And when I looked mm-hmm. at it, Darren Jones, I said before 14th, he was actually tied for 13th in the league this past year for quarterback rating. So I'm like, okay, who is he tied with? Okay, he's tied with Kirk Cousins. They had the exact same. Kirk Cousins makes $36.3 million. Would you think Daniel Jones is better than Kirk Cousins? No, not yet. All right. No. I mean, he's still, he's still, so to me, it's like, look, 35 is good. I mean, you know, you could build it into incentive programs, but you got to remember, you still got the rest of the team you still have to work on. Right. And like I said, and getting back with Saquon and with all the cap space, hey, we're going to franchise you. That's it. I That's mean, it. you know, I understand it's a business, but you want to be here. Then you know, you then show it. You're still making good money. It's not like you're not. And let's face it, with the amount of you know he can get the contracts. I mean, like I always say, the East Coast. You know, for if you want to resurrect your career or anything like that, the number one market is here. So I mean, you know, with you know add-ons after football, whatever like that, he'll right, make right. his money back. Endorsements, right? Yeah. So, no, I get it. You know, but I just can't see you know wasting the money on a running back. To, and, you, and, you, and you know, today's game, these running backs don't last long right. and to spend all that money and then we're locked in. It, right. It's like a Bobby Bonilla deal. He's not on the field. No, I know. I get it. I get it, Andrew. And, and the thing is, you know, Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins, they finished with the same exact quarterback rating. So if you're looking for a sweet spot for Daniel Jones, I think they end up at maybe 37 or 38 million. And, not the franchise tag. Because if you franchise Daniel Jones, the money counts the cap against the cap right away. That leaves the Giants with like something like $10 million to spend elsewhere. You can't franchise Daniel Jones. You just can't. So do you work him into a long-term deal? Longer, three years maybe? I would like to give three. They'll probably settle on four. And, and then you can kind of push the money around in different ways if you do it that way. Jarvis and Harlan's been hanging on. What's up there, Jar- uh, Jarvis? Hey, how you doing, Daniel? Good, how are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, I'd like to talk about that uh, other caller got a wild up and talk about uh, for the next two years they will be in the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and all this. Like, I mean, like, I mean, can you, can we sound like, people keep talking about two years, Aaron Rodgers being in the Super Bowl with the, with the New York Jets. Can y'all even make the playoffs? I mean, it's been 12 years and 13 years since 2010. Longest drought in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at least there. At least get there. You know, then, I, I, listen, I, I think any competent quarterback, anybody, even Derek Carr, could bring the Jets to the playoffs. That's not a problem. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, and, uh, and um, you know, and, and the other callers talk about, like, they're going to win the, um, Buffalo might win the division in the next 10 years. I mean, it's not like, it's not like, like Tom Brady won. No, won the AFC for the last twenty years when he went to Patriots were on the Bill Belichick. I mean, see, the Jets haven't won a division since two thousand two. So that's like a long time ago. What you do see with uh, with what's his name is is when Dayball left, you saw a little Mm -hmm. bit of a regression in Allen. That's like the the crack that I'm like trying to kick the door in with. You saw a little regression from Allen. They still don't have a running game. you know, so it's not going to be as dominant as, of course, the Brady Belichick years, but right. they're a pretty darn good team. They are. Yeah, at least the, at least, I mean, at least Zach was a beat them in um in um you know I think Zach was a beat Buffalo. I mean, I know I know Mike White didn't beat them. You know, if they got to get sacked by the, his rib cage, get injured, yeah. you know, in Buffalo. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, thank you, Daniel. Yeah, thanks for the call, there, Jarvis. Thanks. Um.
Yeah, let's go to uh, Michael in Belleville. Keep it rolling here. Michael, go ahead. Uh, Michael from Belleville, right? That's you. Okay, Danielle, I've been listening for a while. First time I've ever called any call-in show. I love that. Yeah, so uh, I just want to say something up front. <clears throat> I listen to the fan usually during the day. I catch you on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And the other lady, Anita, both of you seem to know a lot more. I'm not criticizing anybody in particular, but you, you two ladies are very knowledgeable about all sports. Mm, thank you. So the th- three things I want to talk about. The sure. guy called in. Or the guy fighting with you on Twitter about the Denver thing. I'm, I'm 63, so the first thing that comes to my mind when I see a Denver Bronco logo, I'm a Cowboy fan, and our quarterback, Craig Morton, played against us in the Super Bowl in 78, and we beat him down in New Orleans. My mother and father went to the game. I didn't get to go, but that's the first thing that enters my mind is mm-hmm. Craig Morton. Mm-hmm. The second thing that has to do with the Giants, I, I – like I said, I'm a Cowboy fan, but if Dallas is out of it, it sounds weird. I loved Eli Manning and always rooted for the Giants to do well because there was many lean years with the Cowboys going back to 95. There's nothing happened. So there's only been two running backs in the Super Bowl era dra- drafted in the top ten that have taken their team to a Super Bowl, Marcus Allen hmm. and Walter Payton. So for the Giants, waste number two pick on Saquon Barkley, I thought that was a reach, and like you said, running backs, they don't get paid what they used to because it's not really about them anymore. It's about stretching the field, throwing the ball to the receivers. So if Saquon's smart, he'll take an offer before they franchise him because the average running back is done by 29 or 30 anyway. They don't last into the 30s because right. they're beat up. Right. The, the, the last thing about Aaron Rodgers, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's a great talent, but he pretty much – didn't say much until they let him take over for Brett Favre. Ever since then, it's been uh, narcissistic behavior all about him. And if I correct me if I'm wrong, his overall playoff record is eight and nine, and he's won one Super Bowl. So everybody's turning cartwheel saying that this guy, you know, the previous caller, oh, we get Aaron Rodgers, we're just going to you know, go to the Super Bowl immediately. He couldn't do it with Green Bay. Well, he he's, couldn't get a. Yeah, well, he, he, he's 12 and 10. I mean, along the same lines, but he's 12 and 10 in the playoffs in his career. I'm just saying, he, you know, look at Tom Brady's roster. You, most of those years, you couldn't name 10 players on the team. It's just he fit into the plug and he took a pay cut every year. They're going to owe well, Brady. His, Tom, wife, Brady his wife was making more money than him, Tom Brady, when they were married. She really was. Yeah. So he could yes. afford to take a pay cut. I'm just saying, a lot of people, they're down on Derek Carr because of the weather situation. I am. I know I am. Count me as one of them. Yeah, and I'm just saying, if you could get him cheaper and you could get four or five years out of him and he could learn to play in the cold, you could spread some of that extra money that you were going to pay Rodgers. Oh, sure. and the and draft picks, too. Yes, yes, that's that's basically, and all this behavior, like I said, I mean, they said that the other day at that retreat up in Oregon or whatever, mm-hmm. he had a light in the room. He could yeah, turn the light off. I said anytime. that. Yeah, I said that on Thursday night. He had a light switch in the room that he could turn on and off with his own fingers. And he could also go outside at any time. There were woods right behind the room. He could open the door, go outside, take a break, come back in. So he, he, he's sitting there for two and a half, three days. The owner of the retreat, it was good publicity for him because yep. I, I heard, I don't know how much Aaron Rodgers makes, but I heard this place is very expensive to go to. So I'm just thinking the behavior in New York he's going to get tired of the New York press within weeks. Well, and it's just we'll gonna, see. 
And thanks for the call there, Michael. I mean, we'll see. Aaron Rodgers does give the Jets the best chance to win now. The Jets are win now. Now four years down the road, five years down the road. All right, we got to do a quick break, and we got a Pat Boyle update. I'm Nina McCartan with you for about another hour here on The Fan. The Fan is better when you're part of it. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Hey, welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCart. Wrapping up this final hour here. Not that we're slowing down at all. I, I, say, I always love when we talk about every team that we have here in New York. That's the goal of every show. You know that, right? Whether it's hockey or basketball or football or baseball, all of it. I want to talk about all of it. And as uh, it's 12 o'clock, which signals a, uh, a changing of the guard behind the glass here, we've got Connor on his way out. Connor... Awesome job tonight. Oh, as always, I'll see you tomorrow. And we've got Sus coming in now uh, for the rest of the morning. Tonight at the Garden, maybe you're making your way back in the traffic. Back to Jersey, wherever you're going, the Garden. The Knicks had a celebration for the 72-73 championship team. And all of the social media posts for the current Knicks had the old, the antique feel to it, the antique filter to it, which I thought was pretty cool. But really what was even cooler was the fire that the Knicks came out playing with. I mean, Julius Randle hit three of the first four Knicks baskets in the game, and two, including two really, really tough three-pointers from behind the arc. I mean, Mitchell Robinson, he's my favorite, Nick. And he, he was just doing what he does best, patrolling the rim, 13 rebounds, I think it was. I mean, this was all Knicks from the jump. And at halftime, where the Knicks had four blocks at the half, they, had, they were 50% from three-point range at the half. They hosted a special kind of who's who in Knicks history ceremony at halftime, which I was able actually to watch here in the studio with volume on. The crowd was electric. Dolan, I got to give it to him. Dolan got this celebration right tonight. I mean, really, really right. Bernard King was there. John Starks, Larry Johnson, Alan Houston, Latrell Sprewell, Marcus Camby, Amari Stoudemire, Patrick Ewing. Of course, in addition to the legends from that 72-73 season who were there wearing gold jackets, Bill Bradley, Dick Barnett, Henry Bibby, Jerry Lucas, Earl Monroe, and of course, swishing in addition, Walt, Clyde, Frazier. And of course, uh, there was a video message from Willis Reed who could not be in attendance. But I got a tweet from a listener. His name was Joe Lutwin. And he said, Danielle, I wish you could have been around 1970 when Willis limped out of the locker room and hit his first two jumpers. After the second one, the Lakers knew it was over. He said, I listened on the radio. It wasn't on regular TV. And I responded back, and I was like, you know what, man, I wish to. I mean, that must have been epic to watch live or even listen to live. And still, to this day, he is one of the biggest, baddest displays of toughness by an athlete, like, ever. And for me, I watched a few times on YouTube, and I guess I'll have to live vicariously through you, through your phone calls, your tweets, and your memories. 877-337-6666 in the order that you called Ed in Dumont. Ed, do I know you? Yes, you do know me. I met you in the vet's office in Franklin Lakes last year. That's right. I was just there the other day. You know, I was thinking about you. That I was there for whatever reason on uh, Friday. 
I was like, oh, I wonder if he's going to be there. I do think I'm about going, it. I'm going next week with my dog. Oh, is he okay? Uh, is she okay? Yeah, it's fine. Just to check up. Yes. Uh, I have two questions. Uh, now, you're a Devil fan or a Ranger fan? I never like to give it away there, Ed. I do right down the middle okay. radio on purpose. It doesn't matter, though, does it? No, it doesn't. I'm a big Islander fan. Ah, that's the one team I in this area, professional team, including the New York Liberty, that I have never seen live is the Islanders. Yeah, I'm a big, big fan. My daughter actually had an internship with them this year. And cool. uh, my thing is with Patrick Kane, he he said he wouldn't go to the Islanders list uh, list couple of weeks. Uh, he had a, I know he had an issue. I think he had a sexual assault charge that was dropped years ago. Oh, I didn't and know I was that. At the game, I was at the game, and uh, the whole Coliseum was chanting, no means no. Really? And I, yeah, so I that didn't was know that. back in 16. And he was dismissed, but uh, I don't think there was some kind of civil, civil court. Interesting. Civil I'll have to look into that. Yeah, and uh, I saw your thing about the jersey. About I, I, I respect Brian Leach, even though the Rangers bought the cup in '94. Mm-hmm. But I'm, in, I'm more, I'm an Islander fan. But I was happy with the Devils. I, you know, I think you know Jack Hughes is a great talent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, really good. And they finally found a goalie in Vitek Vanacek. Yeah. Yes, the goal, and then as for the uh, Rokins, better than Shesterkin. I, I mean, they're both. Great goalies, but uh, my opinion, not. Uh, I think I'm taking Shesterkin. Sorokin has this habit. If you ever notice, he has this habit of going too far out of the goal crease and then getting beat between him and the and the pipe. Yeah, he has that. I mean, I I I think they're both going to be great for for a long time. They're going to probably be the two best going forward, and they're and they're both childhood friends too, which is. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, I'll send you a picture when they were like 14 together back in Russia. They're like best friends. What? Yeah, please do. That'd be cool to see that. Yeah, and he was actually, he invited them all for Christmas, him, he, him and uh, Sorokin, because uh, they went to Christmas dinner together, I think with Panarin, who I don't like because he shunned the Islanders. But <laughs> <laughs> but it was night. great talking to you and uh Dumont all the way. Go to Grand Street Cafe. Best pizza ever. Oh, I know. What's his name? That pizza guy from that, that website went there just not long ago. Yeah, he was there. We we played darts there in softball at Grand Street. And really good owners. They do a lot for the community. So Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That that was, I mean, it was like secrets out at this point. We all knew about the pizza there. But now that he went there, secrets out. Yeah, it blew up after that, yes. Which is good. I love that for small businesses, especially in our town. Yes. All right, Danielle. So nice. So I, you should have your own show, too. Oh, not being, have, you definitely should be on. I want to badmouth anyone else, but I really think you should be on full time. Hey, we'll see what happens. Thanks, Ed. And uh, good luck at the vet. Franklin Lake's vet, also a good place. <laughs> Thank you, Danielle. Yes, it is. Have a good night. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. You, too. That's a true story. I, I, I was sitting there at the vet in Franklin Lakes. That's where I go to the vet. And uh, he was like, Danielle? Danielle McCartan? I was like, yeah. Sweatpants, hat on. I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I love you on the show, blah, blah. And um, I actually went on Friday, and, and I always think, like, oh, I wonder if he's going to be there. I couldn't remember his name, Ed. Now I know it. Ed, I remember that now. And uh, I was there on Friday. Everything's okay. I just think, you know, my little Lupa's got a little arthritis going on. She's getting old. And she's probably sleeping on my bed right now. Get off my bed. Uh, but what he was talking about before was um, 
I put up a poll on Twitter. I said, I've got four brand new jerseys to potentially wear tonight on my show. Which will it be? So I, there, there's a character limit, right? So essentially the choices were a uh, road gray judge, a uh, white and blue pinstriped uh, Nimmo, uh, a white leech jersey, or a red Danico jersey. And I go where you want me to go. So edging out the Danico jersey by exactly 1%. Was the jersey I'm wearing right now, which was a home, authentic, white with blue pinstripes, New York Mets, my favorite player, Brandon Nimmo jersey. I had to go high and low to find this jersey, too, by the way. I called the Mets team store. They don't have him. I'm like, what do you mean? He's a homegrown guy. He signed on for many more years to come. He's probably going to retire a Met. How do you not have his jersey? But uh, Fanatics, I, it said there were six left in my size. So I guess I got one of the six because I'm wearing it right now with an orange long sleeve shirt underneath it. I'll, I'll tweet out a picture in a little bit. All right, let's go to Sammy in Jersey. What's up there, Sammy? Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? Yeah, so I like Carlos Rodon, but I have a few problems. What's that? I don't know. He doesn't, he's, he's like not really good. He's been doing good like. Hello? Yeah, I don't know what that was, Sammy. Got a party going on in the background. Rondon is going to be good if he if he stays on the mound. And it's like one thing after another with this guy. I mean, I've said it. I said it before they traded for him, before they got him, before they got him. I'm sorry. I said it. I said, you know what? He's. You think Jacob DeGrom's injured a lot. Wait for Carlos Rondon. I'm not wishing an injury on, on him, right, because I, I, I want the Yankees to win. But just be, you know, buyer beware on that because um, he's injured a lot. It's never the same injury. It's always uh, something different. So that's that's a concern for me. Let's go to Sparky and Dobbs Ferry. What's up there, Sparky? Russell, how are you doing, Coach? I'm good. How are you? Good to hear oh, from not, you. Not bad. Um, now, before somebody called about Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones. Yeah. Daniel Jones is already better than Kirk Cousins. Agreed. He won a playoff game in Kirk Cousins' building. That's right, and beat him. And 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 it's funny enough when you talk about the Knicks, a fellow just a few calls ago called about Willis Reed. Yeah, I was a freshman in high school that year, and they only had it on radio with Marv Albert. Mm-hmm. When he hit those first two shots, I think the Lakers were like dead after that. Really? Okay. And what was amazing, like you talk about his toughness, Willis Reed, mm-hmm. people don't realize he played college football at Grambling State. Hmm. Yes. Wow. Yes. And also, that game seven, Walt Frazier might have had the best game seven anybody had. He had 36 points, 19 assists. Wow. Yes. I mean, as a 14-year-old kid, that was, like, absolutely amazing listening to that. I'm sure. You know, and I'm like, wow. But now it's, now as far as, you know, stuff with, you know, with the Yanks, you know what scares me? I got a feeling, Coach, that our favorite player is going to be the starting shortstop. You know it's going to happen. You know he's going to – Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is going to be 
the Yankees starting shortstop, and that is a shame. It should be Peraza. Okay, I'm going to bring a hockey point before my last Yankee thing. Yeah. If the Yankees get Patrick, I mean, if the Rangers get Patrick Kane, in my mind, that's almost like identical to when they got Mark Messier 30 years ago. You know what? It, it's it's close. I mean, yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. There are some parallels there, for sure. Because, you know, that literally put them over the top. Yeah. The only thing, I mean, though, I would say is is the Rangers don't have a top-notch defense in front of their goaltender. That, no, that's no, the they one don't. thing. That's the one thing I would say. No, they don't. No, but the other thing... Unfortunately, with baseball, the way building the pitching staff, it's totally changed in a way because, you know, normally you say, wow, you want to have starters that all go deep into mm-hmm. games, everything, in a, in a perfect world. That's what you'd like. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the nature of the game is, you know, you have to bring the relief pitches in so early where you literally have to turn over your bullpen every right. other year. Right. You know, and it's hard to find these guys because you know what? You're getting guys from other teams who are in the same situation that that are the guys you're letting go are in. Yeah, that they're basically semi burnt out, and they're so important because the pitchers don't go late into games. These guys are so important. It's like I, 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 I know, know. I, and as far as like you know, with the rules, it's gonna be interesting. But, I mean, there is one rule I can't stand. It's that extra inning rule. I kind of like it. I've, as a softball player, I've always played – well, starting in high school, I played softball. Otherwise, I played baseball. But um, I, it, we always played with that rule. The, always, there was always a runner on second base. So, to me, I'm used really? to it. Yeah, yeah. No, you know what? Because I played, I played uh, beer league softball till I was just a shade under 40. Wow. And we never had that. Maybe in beer league softball. No, but, we played. We like... played. We played moderated fast pitch. Yeah, and we never had that. They don't have it in little league, and I'm. That's I guess where I'm a little old fashioned. I guess. Yeah, you know? I don't mind it. I, to me, it's. I don't know if they should start it right away because the idea is that you don't want to burn out these pitchers' arms. You know all that, but maybe not. Right away, but I can't sit through a 15-inning game, you know? So maybe after, if it's still tied after 11, then you start it. That I can get behind. You know, one thing, too, where you could save the health of the players, eliminate the World Baseball Classic. I don't know if I would eliminate it. I would try to... You know what, because, you know, you players come in in spring training to get themselves in game shape. right. Not to be in game shape already playing Correct. serious games. Right. And that's why I would try to move it. Move it. You know what like my solution would be? I no, because that elongates the problem, right? So here's what uh, I would do. I would say that MLB, Rob Manfred, should maybe come in and say, like, okay, none of our players are going to be playing on these teams during pool play. That's about two weeks of games. Once the okay. tournament starts, then they may join a roster. That's what I would say because it cuts the time investment in half and uh, it gives the other guys a look, you know, on a roster. Expand the rosters. Who cares about the rosters on, on the, the World Baseball Classic teams? But that's what I would say. Oh, um, by the way, I'm, I'm probably I'm not going to be calling tomorrow because I work nights. Uh, 
Yeah. All right. So when are you back on then after tomorrow? So after tomorrow, let me look at a calendar. It's going to be, it's a Sunday day. It's Sunday the 5th daytime. I think 1 o'clock p.m. Okay. Well, you have a great day and take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks, Sparky. Appreciate that. And, yeah, he brings up a good point about the World Baseball Classic. But for me, I would say no Major League Baseball players in pool play just in the tournament. Because I, I do enjoy the tournament. I do like it. Um, but the biggest problem this year is going to be that there's no – like the, no, the, the new rules in Major League Baseball are not going to be applied in the World Baseball Classic, which is going to screw up some of those guys for sure. Uh. Quickly again on uh, on on Saquon. Let's go back to Saquon Barkley for a sec. Um, he said he wasn't too concerned. As a quote, "I'm not too concerned about resetting any markets." I don't think that's really true. I like the guy, but I'm not sure if it's true. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till one here on the Fan. When this happened, you talked about it on the Fan. The New York Mets, for the first time in 15 years, are champions of the National League. When New York sports happens. Talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to WFA. My name is Danielle McCartan. Hanging with you for about another half an hour. Paul Rosenberg comes your way then. Paul? Hello, Paul. See you soon. And, oh, before... when I said to the dog, get off my bed, I leave the radio on. I leave the Alexa on so she can hear me. So that's that's it's not weird or anything, right? Anyway, after the Giants uh, were sent packing by the Eagles, Saquon Barkley said, quote, I'm not too concerned about resetting any markets. So I say, you know, that's cool and all, but and I'm not calling the guy a liar because I like him, but I'm not too convinced. And because I actually believe a story that said the Giants and Saquon Barkley negotiated during the bye week this past year, and Barkley turned down the Giants' offer then. And that was reportedly in the 12 to $12.5 million neighborhood. So then Joe Shane told reporters, quote, they weren't close. Okay, so the rumor is Saquon Barkley is looking for $14 million a year. 14. That would put him, I compared the other running backs, that would put him in the top four of highest paid running backs when you just look at AAVs, not length of contract, any, any of that. Top four highest paid if he wants $14 million a year. And then the problem is you look into that the list, he absolutely fits in with the skill set. Oh, the other guys. Top of the list, Christian McCaffrey, $16 million. Ezekiel Elliott, $15 million. Followed by, uh, oh, tied with uh, Alvin Kamara, $15 million. Then you got Saquon Barkley looking for fourteen, and Then Dalvin Cook, number five, at $12.6 million. So, yeah, can you make an argument that Saquon Barkley is better than Kamara, better than Elliott? I think you could. That's a problem for for the Giants. That's pricey. So therefore, you have no choice but to franchise tag Saquon Barkley. It's only going to cost the Giants $10.1 million. 
So, unfortunately, if he turned down 12, 12 and a half million, that's unfortunate for him because now he's going to get tagged. He should get tagged for 10.1 million. And I know it's disappointing to him. You know, it is what it is, though. It's a business. It does not mean that the Giants can't offer him big money after next season. But they're cash drop right now. And it doesn't make business sense for the Giants to use their tag on any other position, including the quarterback position. It'll save them the most money if Saquon Barkley is tagged rather than giving a brand new deal. And again, a team with cap concerns, an estimated savings of $4 million or more is kind of like a big deal. And don't forget that if the Giants tag um, Daniel Jones at, what is it, 30-something million a year, 36, whatever it is, that money comes off the cap immediately. That doesn't leave them enough money to to do anything with, really. They'll have about $10 million, maybe more if they restructure some of the things. But that's the problem. So if you tag Barkley, it makes business, organizational business sense. Everything's pointing to, to um, Joe, Joe Shane not doing that. They want to work out a deal for him. And I, and I know he means a lot to the team. Jersey sales, whatever. But right now, that's the wrong move. Tag Barkley. Give a contract to Jones. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. We go out to Robbie in Lennox. What's up there, Robbie? Danielle, how are you? It's been I'm a while. good. How are you? I know. It's been a while. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, doing our show up here. We had Joe Beningo on a few months. About last month, it was, it was a blast. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, we'll have to have you on. I've had Moussan and Pat, Pat Boyle and stuff. So. Yeah, you got to email anyway, me. Huh? Email me. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll get in touch with you. So, listen, I agree with you 100% about Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon was offered a contract and he was turned down $12 million. And it was crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely, I agree with you about tagging him and, and, and Daniel, you know. But we look at all the teams in the NFC. So go out and sign Daniel and get, him, get this done already. All right. Yep. He's proven that he can play and uh, he's, he's a likable guy. That's why I hope that he continues to. <clears throat> Excuse me. Have success. And he improved talk- every year, yeah. Robbie. He improved absolutely. every year. A- absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, for a lot of years, I didn't believe in this kid, but you know what? Uh, he's proven me wrong, and obviously, the coaches have really helped him. Uh, welcome to the club. Too. I will welcome you into the Daniel Jones yeah. fan club. Absolutely. There <laughs> you go. So, yeah, right. There you go. Um, I got to talk about my favorite team because I tell you honestly, on national television, it was a complete embarrassment today for the Rams. Brutal. That was and, really bad. And I'm going to tell you about this Patrick Kane deal. Yeah, as much as I love Patrick Kane, he's one of my favorite all-time players, this is not what they need. And I told this to Moose, and I've told this to other people on this mm-hmm. station. Mm-hmm. What, what Chris Drury, I don't believe Chris Drury has control of this, of this team. I believe that Jim Dolan loves stars. He loves to put stars at the garden. We're going to go get Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. He's the wrong player for this team. The, the guy that I wanted is up in Toronto, and he scored a hat-trick the other night, and that's Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. The Rangers have been terrible, terrible down the middle for years. They, they are low, one of the lowest teams in the league at four-checking goals. They're one of the lowest teams in the league at, 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 uh, at goals off the rebound because they do not have the personnel. You can't have 40 million scores. You can't have guys like Tarasenko and Panarin right. that don't play any defense. These finesse no kind of guys, right? Uh, yeah, too much finesse. I mean, and, and you know, Moose disagreed with me saying that hockey is different now. But you, I don't think it's any different than what, than what uh, Mike Keenan said to Neil Smith in 1994. He said, 
Go get me Glenn Anderson. Why? Because he's gritty and Mike Gartner wasn't. Okay, as much as I love Mike Gartner as a player. And, and you know what, Robbie, I'm, I'm watching yeah. this game. I'm on the elliptical yeah. uh, watching right. the game, uh, the Rangers yeah. game today. And when when um, when the fight happened, yeah. TJ Oshie took out Ryan Lindgren. Oh, it's awful. Oh, well, well, the best part about You know what the best part about it? Barkley Goodrow went after him. I yeah. love Barkley Goodrow. Absolutely. Well, Goody, you know, the thing about Goody, he was hurt so much last year. We're going to get hopefully a full playoff out of him. See, but the thing is, there's two guys, that I, a couple of guys that I, that I thought Chris Drew would be interested in. And one, to me, you know, you could, to me, I would trade a Kako or a Lafreniere. If I could go get a guy, even a Filipino whose trade value is very high right now, mm-hmm. I would love to go get a guy like Boone Jenner from, from the Columbus Blue Jackets, a guy who's big and strong, a standard. And the other guy I love is Max Domi. He's playing for Chicago right now. And I think Chicago asked for a second and third round pick to get Domi. I mean, to me, the Rangers just lack players that play below the goal line. They're not a good four-checking team. And when you watch them play, they usually send one guy in. You watch Boston. You watch Tampa. Those, those teams send two guys in four-check. Their four-check is relentless. Carolina's four-check is, is relentless. Picture the Rangers with a combination of high four-checkers and skilled players. Now you're talking... To be Patrick Kane's a great player, but he's the same type of player. They don't need any yeah. of the best players. You yeah. know what I mean? So I don't know if this is Brewery saying to Glenn, you know, I don't know if it's Glenn Sather and Dolan uh, say, oh, yeah, let's bring, uh, you know, let's bring Kane in here because he's a superstar. But there's too many of the same type of players, and that's why I go back to, you know, Tony Amante for Stefan Mateau and Brian Noonan. You know, those type of trades were keen and sent to Neil Smith. Look, we, we, we have like, too many of the finesse players. We need guys that play below the goal line. And the Rangers just don't. And, again, you talked about their defense. The other thing they don't do well is they do not attempt to block enough shots. I mean, Benny Trocek there on the first goal, it's like, dude, mm-hmm. if you're going to block a shot, block a shot. You go down to your knees and basically lazily you know, try to block it. It's like, and I felt bad for Igor, I agree with you. I mean, the thing I noticed about Igor right now is he's not reading plays well. Like, First of all, he's going down too quickly. He's not reading and reacting. I'm mm-hmm. used to play goals. So I understand, like, reading and reacting. The other thing, too, is that, He's not reading passes like and so forth. I know Steve Dalekett was talking about that the other night. And it's true. It's like usually when he's on, he's challenging. He comes out of his net. But they, they don't want to help him in front of the net. And Keandre Miller was terrible, too. It's amazing with Keandre Miller. He has a frame of, what, six foot five, And he plays sometimes like he's five foot six. It's like he needs to hit more. There's too much stick yeah. checking going on. Yeah. You know, you got, so tonight, go out and beat the Kings. Win a game. And when's the last time the Rangers actually went through a game and gave up only one goal? You know, play some D in front of this, in front of Igor. Expect Igor to to come back tonight. But you know, you yeah. got you to gotta protect the goal. So, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, like I said, I think this game thing. Like I said, would, would I love to see Patrick Kane wear a Ranger uniform? Yeah, but it's just there's, there's too many of the same type of players. That's my feeling. So, I'll get yeah. Your thanks, Daniel. unless and thanks there, Robbie. Unless, yeah. sorry about that. Unless the Rangers go out and and and, and fortify the defense somehow too. I mean, I, I don't think they would be done after a Patrick Kane move. I really don't. Understood about Shesterkin. I I know they pulled him. I know he pulled him, and uh, he and Gallant said after the game that it, it was far from just Shesterkin being the issue. In other words, he I, I think Gerard Gallant sends these messages after these games right up to to the, to the front office. Like in other words, it wasn't just his problem tonight. Get us some defensive help. I, I do. Patrick Kane is is going to be he's going to be a Ranger. They're gonna get it done. All the, basically, I, I thought we were gonna be breaking some news tonight, and I still, I know we still have about twenty four minutes or so. But uh, 
I, I really thought it was going to get done sooner rather than later. And, and the, the problem is the Rangers, I mean, they've been outscored in the past four games, 17-7. to seven. Forget about the defense, you know, giving up 17. Scoring seven in four games is, is not a ton. So so maybe Kane would help him out in that in that department. I mean, how could you how could you turn down a guy who who has won th- the Stanley Cup three times? You know, all rookie team. He, he's he, the Hart Trophy winner. All that. He's got the pedigree. He has the pedigree, and maybe maybe that's what it takes to get this team over to you. I don't know. I don't know. Before I head out of here, let's talk some Mets pitching. How maybe Verlander might have a, a problem with the pitch clock because he is one of the slower workers uh, in the league. And how, oh, old friend, hello, my old friend, Jacob DeGrom finally got on the bump for his new team the other day. And um, we never talked about this, but how he really thought that he would be back with the Mets. Really? I don't believe it. Not for a single second. Does uh, the lip service after the fact change anything for you and how you feel about him? For me, Daniel McCartan, not at all. How about for you? 877-337-6666. Or you want to talk about this new and improved Mets starting pitching rotation as I sit here in my Brendan Nimmo jersey? Let's do it. 877-337-6666. We're known for being polite, so we give you a chance to talk too. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. As we get the final segment here underway, I wanted to open up this discussion to some Mets pitchers, and I, I would love to uh, to talk about how that kind of um, I don't know translates to the new rules. Because among the slower pitchers, slower not speed wise, velocity wise, but slower um, to deliver the ball, I've got a little bit of concern about the Justin Verlander. Last season, with the bases empty, it took him 20.1 seconds to deliver the ball home. That's not going to cut it. He's only got 15 this year. And when the runner was on base last season, it took him 24 seconds to deliver the ball home, which is over time. Because in that scenario now, it's only in 20 seconds. So, I I mean, I'm sure he's a professional. I'm sure it's going to be fine. But... It's going to be a bit of an adjustment for him. And um, here's the other thing. You've got uh, Buck Showalter sitting down with Bob Clappish, and he dropped what I call a buck bomb. That, of course, after DeGrom bolted for the money with the Texas Rangers. Remember, five years, $185 million? And, And Showalter said that DeGrom told him, someday I'd like to sit down with you and explain what really happened. I really thought I'd be back here. Well, that's not a 40 for 40. You know, the Mets were really smart to not have offered him that amount of cash. He already had, you know, a a scare in Texas. This time it was tightness in his left side. I have we not heard that before around here. 
He had a 22-pitch bullpen session that was clocked at like 50 to 60% effort on Thursday. Buck also told the Clappish that Jake is from rural central Florida. He just wants to be left alone to pitch. We'll miss him, but we can't dwell on it at this point. Right. He's right because the Mets literally rebuilt their entire pitching staff in the seven days following his exit. I was on the air right here in this chair with you when the Kodai Senga move happened late on a Saturday night about this time, about an, about 11, 11.30 Saturday night. I know the Mets are going to miss DeGrom's talent for sure. I mean, when he was on the mound, it was must-watch TV. Like watching an artist at work or a surgeon at work or, or in some way a weird hybrid combination of both to describe him. But that's just the thing. The Mets are not going to miss his fragility. And, and, and honestly, the Mets pitching staff, as it's currently constructed right now, is probably – a stronger rotation now as a unit, as a whole, than it was when DeGrom, as great as he was, was a part of it. So onward and upward, Buck's right. You can't dwell on it. And um, be happy it existed. Be happy you had him on the team for a little while. Developed him, the whole thing. He's not going to win anything in Texas. Don't worry about it. The Mets rotation is better now without him. Not saying that he was the problem, but I'm just saying the way that they rebuilt it after he left, it's going to be pretty darn good. 877-337-6666. I mean, it's just the whole thing. The whole, is he going to pitch today? Is he hurt? Tightness here? What does that mean there? And it's like, all right. I was uh I got a text before from and he said and he said it's totally fine you, we could talk about it Chris Sheeran texted me before he wrote first time long time <laughs> I love that I, I love when people say it it makes me kind of giggle but he said I am a fan it's Chris Sheeran texted me uh, he said I am a fan of the pitch clock I saw at the minor league level but the minor league level isn't quite the major league so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out now this was a great point that Chris Sheeran brought up he said. I am concerned with the chess game between the pitcher and the batter becoming more of checkers rather than than chess. And I said, that's a great analogy, really. Um, but I said the, the air quotes here, more casual fans that they're trying to attract and engage with these all of these new rules. Unfortunately, like those people don't care what happens in that game. Within a game. And, you know, Chris Sheeran, he said he agreed. And he was a former pitcher himself. And um, and I also said, too, and I said there's going to be a lot of less guesswork now, okay? So they, they work to eliminate the signs thrown down by the catcher, right? The, the catcher now, you know, points the fingers uh, at not down, you know, where, but, but on the pitch comm system. I held one in my hand. I talked to many players last year about it. Um, David Cohn, Kyle Higashioka himself, uh, Aaron Judge, and and Garrett Cole. I was in that clubhouse when it was new, and you know, and everything. But now, new for this year, pitchers can now signal home. Like they're going to be wearing. I get. I don't know where they're going to put it, but the pitchers can now tell the catcher, "No, this is what I'm throwing." They supersede whatever the catcher calls, and now the pitcher can can dictate the action of the game. That's good. That's new this year. And um, 
I think I think that's going to be a big help to aid these pitchers and, and taking out a lot of the guesswork and a lot of the uh, one of the callers said before Gary Cohen called Gary Cohen called it non baseball stuff during a baseball game and the, the maybe chess won't really become checkers because the pitcher is still going to get to call whatever he was going to throw anyway. But it's no longer going to be, you know, Derek Jeter sticking his hand up and, you know, fixing his batting gloves and and all that. Maybe that's the part that's that's going to be missing. But honestly, who cares? Every single rule I can get behind. Every single one of them. The pitch clock being the best. I, I Someone sent me before. I got to find it on Twitter. Um, I think uh, Michael and Jerry tweeted me. Yeah, here it is. The times of the baseball games from, from Saturday, the, really the first real action, there were two games. Phillies, Tigers, two hours and 15 minutes. Angels, Mariners, two hours and 16 minutes. That's ideal. I'm trying to look real quick. The, the longest game was still Twins-Orioles at 254. All right, but that's the outlier, really, of all of the data. So I can get behind all of this. And these rule changes, it's it's only going to benefit the game of baseball, really. I said before how... When, when I'm at school every day during the week and it's Jersey Day, you'll see one kid wearing a Yankee T-shirt. I've never seen a Mets shirt in my school. Um, I've seen Judge. I've seen one kid has a, has a Lou Gehrig jersey <laughs> with the name on the back. Whatever, right? Um, but Jersey Day at school, you got a couple football jerseys and you got every kid's wearing a basketball jersey. Every kid. Miami Heat. All of them. They're not even local teams. I don't know if I've ever seen a Knicks jersey, but I've seen Nets ones. But what I'm saying is these rules, a game now ends instead of 10-15, I did the math, instead of a game ending it at 10-15, it's going to end at 9-37. Theoretically, you know, with the average length of time, you know, whatever. 9-37, it's, it's like 37 minutes faster. That's That's a big deal. That's a big deal for people that have to go to work the next day. That's an even bigger deal for kids. I bet you attendance is going to go up as a result of this pitch clock because more kids are going to be able to be in attendance on a school night. Things like that. 877-337-6666. We didn't even talk about, you know, the, the, the banning of the shift. Also a fantastic move. Baseball really got it right. Really nailed it. You're going to watch a little bit. Uh, increase in popularity, especially among kids, I'm telling you. To Memphis, Tennessee, Paul checks in. What's up there, Paul? Hey, Danielle, and I uh, really enjoy your show. Thank uh, you. You're a breath of fresh air. Thank you. Um, so I want to bring up something about banana ball. Because what's very interesting about this event of bananas, which is now starting to change certain rules about baseball, and that baseball itself is now changing its rules. The when Savannah Bananas about the team, right? Oh, yeah, but okay, they okay. actually have this, yeah, and they have this entire new way of looking at baseball where they put things like uh, if you hit a foul ball, if you catch it, it's actually an out. Just funky little, little things, right? But since we're putting time back into baseball with the, uh, you know, with the world of, of, of the pitch clock, mm-hmm. could we also take maybe something what they're doing, which says that to speed up the game, 
you, if you as a batter step out of the box, it's now a strike. So that they're not doing the, you know, you know, with, with the gloves. But it's kind of, Paul, it's kind of what's happening because as a batter, you need to be in the box with your attention focused on the pitcher with eight seconds left in that pitch clock. <laughs> and, Man- and Manny Machado. Actually and Manny Machado, them, right. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, and it, end- it actually ended the, the first game of the Red Sox and, and Braves. It ended bases loaded, two outs, three-two count, the whole thing. You in your backyard, you're imagining it. This guy, I mean, e- the umpire even gave him, Conley his last name was, the, of the Braves, the, the umpire even gave him, I, I I watched it, an extra two or three seconds, he still was nowhere near ready. And that's how the game ended. Wow. Yes. And guess what? So, I'm okay with it. Well, you, you know, but, okay, it's October. What happens then? <laughs> right. D- d- if, if you're still doing that in October, you deserve to be called out. Really? <laughs> I mean, it takes you how many months to, to acclimate to it? Come on. Come on. I, I, I hear you, Coach. Thank you for the time. Yeah, Paul, thanks for the call there. I, I, I appreciate that. Different perspective there. I mean, the Savannah Bananas. Do you, do you know who played for the Savannah Bananas the other night? Do you know? Sus, do you know who made their debut for this? You do know? Oh, don't give it away. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Who was it? Who was it? Johnny Damon. Johnny Damon. Yeah, he struck out pretty bad. He doesn't uh, doesn't have it anymore. I don't know. But um, I get it. But that's how that game ended today. Or Saturday, I guess. The, the Red Sox, the Braves. Bases loaded. Bottom of the ninth. Tie game, and they don't play extra innings in in uh, in spring training. Not normally. Full count. It was a three-two count. Connolly ends up. It's got three hundred thousand views right now. I'm watching it again on, on Twitter. Strikes out. I guess technically because he's assessed a strike. At eight seconds, his bat is still touching the plate. With seven seconds remaining. His bat is still touching the plate. His other hand is up in the air with six seconds left. He's still completely vertically upright with one hand on the bat. And at five seconds, so the umpire gave him a three-second buffer there. He was even lenient with him. Although, And even though the umpires were instructed not to be lenient, he gave him three seconds of buffer time, and he still didn't get it together. Game over. Strike, that's a strike, making it strike three. Game over. And he left all the way back to the dugout. Oh, well. He'll never make that mistake again. I'm so glad the umpire did that. And, and, and speaking of the Manny Machado thing, too, Manny Machado said that the umpire even told him, like, hey, you got two seconds left. You got two seconds left. And um, and he, he said he was just too far gone into his routine that, that he was never going to be able to rush it and make it up, so he took the strike. Huh. Interesting, right? He singled in that at-bat, by the way, but and it, it didn't seem to affect him the, the rest of the way either. But I don't know, just – and to bring up the point this, – the, this point of, oh, what happens if this is called in, in, in the World Series? Really? So it's, it's the 26th of February – you mean to tell me, as a batter, you can't get it together?
by the end of October, you can't adjust yourself? I mean, that's, I think that's a ridiculous argument. You can't make that argument, honestly. And, and the changes are already immediate. You saw. You saw the times of the games that, that happened on, earlier on Saturday. Excellent. The one thing I'd like to see amended is, how do I say this? The, sh- the banning of the shift is great. However, this can get a little dicey because the shortstop cannot be on the other side of the bag. The second baseman cannot be on the other side of the bag. Neither of them can be directly behind the bag. Defined as like the little column of space when you take the left side of the bag and draw an arrow to the outfield dirt and the right side of the bag and draw an, an arrow to the outfield dirt. That little zone in between there. You can't be in that space, and it can be challenged. I would maybe like to see some lines drawn on the field so that it's very crystal clear if you're in the quote-unquote neutral zone, right? Think of it like football or not. That's the one thing I would kind of like to see amended, but maybe it's not a problem. Who knows? I mean, are they really going to be playing that close to the bag anyway with each other? I don't think so, but hey, you never know. But every one of these rules, I can get behind if it keeps the, the game of baseball more engaging and shorter in the process of doing that. Well, that's it for me. Thanks to all of the callers tonight. Couldn't have done it without you. All the tweeters, everybody. And I love coming here talking with you every single time. And thanks for hanging with me over the past four hours. If you missed any portion of tonight's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start, which was 9 p.m., Great job to Connor Green tonight and to Sus behind the glass to the both of them and to Pat Boyle on the updates. So I will see you tomorrow for the second half of the Danielle Doubleheader, the final four hours of radio over a 21-hour time span. In the meantime, Coach McCartan, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Paul Rosenberg and his Rangers sweatshirt up next here on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 and